Okay. Hey, Avery. How you doing? Hey, Johan. What's up? Happy April. Thank you. Happy April to you, too. I, uh, I gotta say, I'm excited to talk about this movie, but boy, was it a gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> so much. This movie was so long. But before we get into it, I feel like we need to just kind of do like a little debrief of like what has happened in your life since the last time we had this podcast. Shahan, uh, sure. Do you want to sure. tell the listeners like what you've been up to? <laughs> yeah. Um, so as the listeners might know, I work for a show on Netflix called Karma's World. I've, you know, written an, uh, an episode that's out of that. And I think... I had that we've already mentioned that before that you can watch my episode of Karma's World. And also I worked on every episode. So really watch them all, please. But most recently, the second Karma's World chapter book came out and I did write that one. So my first ever book is now out in stores. If you happen to be at a Scholastic book fair, it will be at that because it's a Scholastic book. Thrilling. We love to see it. Debut author, Shahan Madani. I love it. <laughs> I have already told all my teacher friends. I'm like, listen, my best friend wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> Buy it. I want it to see in the hands of every child between the ages of nine and 12. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun one. It's a story we couldn't, uh, we'll get into the movie, obviously, but it's a story we couldn't do in the show because we're talking a little bit about like, what happens when somebody takes credit for a dance that you made? Getting into that TikTok cultural appropriation topic, maybe? I don't know. Ooh, have some fun. It's for the kids. <laughs> Love it. Everybody, order on Scholastic, now available. Let's go. <laughs> a new thing we did last episode that we'd like to introduce now. Did we find a trailer? I didn't check this first. <laughs> Can we say it? Well, you know, we'll say it. And if we can't find a trailer, we'll cut it. <laughs> What did we pick today? It's your birthday month. What did you pick this month to watch? Avery kindly let me choose the movie because it is, in fact, my birthday next week. And today we're talking Lemonade Mouth. Roll the clip! Yeah! <laughs> okay, this isn't working. Maybe if we just take it from the top one more time. Presenting the Disney Channel original movie, Lemonade Mouth. The last time I performed on stage was my first grade recital. I threw up down Mikey Nichols' back. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was hilarious. This spring. I don't want to be some random face in a yearbook. I want to be heard. Take a chance. Come on. Okay, okay. I'll do it. Yes! Find your voice. Oh, Olivia, did you really write that? Yeah. Band together. Be heard, be strong, be I Shut it down! High school dance is no place for a political tirade. Lemonade Mouth is finished. I'm not going down without a fight. Funnigan is never going to change his mind. Hit it! Take it down! We mean something to people. Lemonade Mouth is their voice. Bridget Mendler. Adam Hicks. Get there playing our song on the radio. Yes! Yes! Lemonade Mouth. I was so excited for you to say. <laughs> All right. We rolled the clip. You heard it here. That was a trailer for Lemonade Mouth, we presume. We don't know. <laughs> what a film. This movie came out in 2011, our high school graduation year, Sean. I know. And I remember watching it. Everyone came over to watch it before we went off to college. <laughs> 
which again tells you very much about who we were in high school we were very cool <laughs> we were incredibly cool so important that you know we were so cool so this movie opens with the words poets geniuses revolutionaries wow we've set a stage here <laughs> it was so intense i couldn't deal it is this is a melodramatic decom and it's both a decom about a high school band and also one of the most melodramatic things i have ever seen in my life <laughs> it starts with a band playing a show at madison square garden of course it is a very small madison square garden built for a decom <laughs> you can see the back of the crowd <laughs> You can see the top of the stage. This is a Madison Square Garden built for ants. <laughs> our, uh, one of our many protagonists, but we'll say our protagonist, Olivia, starts narrating. She doesn't even know if people would believe her if she told them how this band started. And they met in high school detention. <gasps> so we're at the concert and we immediately time jump back to high school detention. I think it's meant to give you that picture of like, we were rebels like i got that vibe like immediately i was like "Ooh, the bad kids we'd love to see it mm -hmm. but okay we're at detention and we get introduced to five characters there is stella yamada our lead guitar there's win gifford on keyboard mo banjuri am i saying that correct that's how they say it in the movie so i, I... okay on bass Charlie Delgado, who is a quote unquote drum god. And then there's our narrator, Olivia White, who is the future frontman for Lemonade Mouth. And so coming into this space, I was like, ugh, these five random kids who definitely look like they don't hang out and are in very different social circles. I feel a Breakfast Club vibe. Like I immediately got Breakfast Club vibes. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. What's fun is. So we were in detention. We meet the music teacher who's like, sorry, they've banished you here. Just like they've banished the music program here. They're in the basement. That's where detention's happening. And there's like, you can hear drips. You can hear toilets flushing. And the music teacher gets so frustrated. She's like, I need to go talk to the principal right this minute. And when she leaves them alone, she tells them to clean. But before that we get there, we have another time jump. Almost as soon as we've jumped once, we've got to jump again. Ah! Because... How did they all end up there? There's five kids. Why are they all in detention on this day? They're good kids. What happened? Yeah. So we start to see how each of the five of them ended up in detention. And I do think this is a really good way to immediately learn about a character. Like, what did this person do to end up in detention? What sort of <laughs> obnoxious child is this? And so first, we go to the morning that it all began. And so first we're introduced to Stella. And so Stella, she's like rocking and rolling, like in her living room or in her house. Like she clearly is about music already. Mm -hmm. Her mom takes her to school and Stella is heated, upset, feels some type of way because she's transferring to a new school like a month after school has already started. And her parents have moved her across the country and she's just not happy or excited about this move. I want to be clear. I want to just give an image, give our listeners some imagery about our girl Stella because she is a rebel. Mm -hmm. Like we have highlights in the hair. She's wearing a shirt. Asymmetrical haircut, you know? And that's, this is 2011. That hair, it's not the same length on both sides and you're a teen. 
very edgy. And she's wearing a shirt that says question authority. And she's got a peacock feather on one ear. Like a rebel if I ever saw one. Like, come on here. And she's played by Haley Kiyoko, who we'll talk about later, but just that's who she <laughs> Yes. So we're introduced first to Stella, and then we're introduced to Wynn. And Wynn's in the car with his dad, and they're dropping off dad's girlfriend to community college. Now, I say this with a bit of hesitancy because dad's girlfriend is 28 years old and Wynn feels some type of way about it. She's young because in a week, both of your hosts will in fact be 29. (laughs) She's but a child, A, a child of 28. But yes, Wynn is going through it. He's like, dad, why couldn't you have bought a sports car? So he's not about Sydney. And then we meet Charlie who is kind of the youngest, I think, of this crew. He seems to be a freshman versus some of them being sophomores and juniors. His parents give one of the worst performances I've ever seen in my life, no disrespect. <laughs> but we are in the car with them. And the parents are like uh, super into him being great at soccer because his brother is, his brother's at college. But anyway, so it's clear they want him to play soccer. Then we meet Mo, Mohini, played by Naomi Scott. How we're introduced to Mo is that Charlie comes out of his parents' car and he's staring at Mo, like longingly staring at Mo, which makes us think that like, oh, maybe he's got a little crush on her. And then we're introduced to Mo, aka Mohini. (laughs) And as you know, I've talked many times about how rarely we see South Asian characters in DCOMs. Uh, We celebrated Spin in this household, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Mo is the first South Asian decom character that I can remember. I think she's the one I found when I did my digging. And I do remember that being really exciting in the year 2011 when I was 18. But man, do they bear down on these stereotypes, which we know. It, even like there's decom dad stereotypes, which is where we landed on in Spin, right? Where he was like really strict, but he was like decom dad strict. This is stereotypical, stereotypically written Indian parent strict, where he's like, you need to get your GPA up for college apps. Uh, it's never too late to start thinking about your future, but also you're too young for lipstick. I'm like, sir, is she too young or is it her future already? I'm getting twisted mm-hmm. and turned mm-hmm. by this. <laughs> I, I didn't love that. But um, she gets out of the car and she like rushes to the bathroom. She doesn't want some mysterious boy in a fedora Ooh. to see her. Who could this be? She goes to the bathroom and she changes into hot girl mode. Ooh, a classic. <laughs> My girl is living a double life, y'all. <laughs> I truly said, we've all had to hide things from Indian parents, but this really sounds like a stressful way to exist. Um, but we find out that boy with fedora is Scott, her boyfriend with this gorgeous, you know, John and Kate plus eight haircut, you know, exquisite boy bangs. There's just awful hair. But again, it was 2011. The boy bangs, they were a moment. This boy does not have any facial expression other than smoldering the entire film. He is only ever like pursed lips, squinty eyes, gazing upon people. (laughs) Anyway, he and his band, Mudslide Crush, are gonna ditch to practice. But, you know, Mo can't. You know, she just promised her dad she'd try hard in school. And he tries Mm -hmm. to pressure her into skipping. And I'm just like, sir, 
it's just so gross when he starts pressuring her because like do not get in the way of the young lady's education and she's like you know i'll see you this weekend and he's like but i've got rehearsals and soccer practice so you'll see her another day so you'll give her a call <laughs> yeah i love how he's trying to put his priorities or his things above hers and this will be a constant theme spoiler alert that like will happen between scott and mo and we are not here for it it's it's not right. It really did like, made me tense. Really drove me up the wall. So Stella gets taken to the principal's office to like be set up for her first day of school or whatever. She's not in trouble yet. But the teacher does see her question authority t-shirt that Avery had mentioned and says, there is an unwritten... She's like, what? Is there a dress code? And she, he's like, well, there's an unwritten line and that shirt crosses it. And like Stella, as we said, she's a rebel, but she's also like an aggro rebel, right? She's like, I, I get that. Listen, for some causes, I think that you cannot work within the systems. I agree with you, Stella. You have to like fight back. But she is also always angry. She's never like, just like, I can have, she never starts with a conversation at any point. She's like, I gotta go zero to 100 <laughs> at all times. She's like, do you have freedom of expression here? I'm like, please, like, listen, I know this principal is a ridiculous, ridiculous man, but every person she in this movie she talks yeah. to this way but yes so the principal played by christopher mcdonald who always plays this role but he does it so well <laughs> he is good at a smarmy smarmy authority figure but he is like all about students respecting the rules and he's like in my school students respect the rules written and unwritten and what stella does next cold-blooded i'd say because she laughs because she sees a security screen behind him and he's just said all his students respect the rules. And uh, what we're seeing is Mo and her boyfriend, Scott, skipping out. He catches them. And you know what? We never addressed that that's Stella's fault. All because she couldn't keep her laugh out, uh, laughter Good herself. point. I never even thought about that. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, the principal would have never turned around if she hadn't laughed. Interesting. But yes, the, so the principal catches... Mo and Mo is like begging and pleading like please don't call my dad because she knows like it will be the end of her life if she gets in trouble. He says that he's not going to tell her dad for teaching class because like she's on honor roll, she's a good kid and all this other stuff, but she does get detention. Right. No, um I never had the opportunity to learn if my parents were this strict because I was busy watching <laughs> Disney Channel original <laughs> movies with Avery. You wouldn't find me in detention. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so she gets detention. We also will learn that Scott didn't get detention. He got off with a warning because there's soccer practice that he needs to be at. The fury I felt when I heard that. Oh, oh snap. <laughs> like this movie is so silly and so all over the place, but it really makes me feel some passionate emotions in a way I did not expect or remember. But real fury here. And then we see how Wen got, uh, so Wen is stressed about a history presentation. He pulls out his folder to do it. He finds it's full of Sydney's photographs. How could this have happened to our boy? He's freaking out. Sydney very kindly brings him his presentation to switch. But, you know, when so flustered, when so upset when he sees his dad's 28-year-old girlfriend and the teacher is like, you must be Wendell's mom. And when flips the shit. He's like, 
she's obviously not my mom, are you stupid? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, when? <laughs> Again, these are teens. They're angry. They're feeling a lot of emotions. They are all always feeling so many emotions. Um, I will say there's a lot of moments in this film where I just typed in all caps, big feelings. <laughs> It's a movie about big feelings from these these teens. And there's so many of these kids. We're introduced to so many characters. And they're, the reason this movie is a little overstuffed and so long, as we mentioned, it is quite a gauntlet. Again, I enjoyed it. But like the average decom is shorter than an hour and a half. And this was an hour 50. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the reason this was so long is because you're following, you're learning each of those five characters' little emotional arcs and they're, you're seeing every little big feeling. Yes. But you know, they, they make it sound so good. <laughs> um, but yes, so when calls uh, his teacher stupid. In between like us following the characters and realizing how they got detention, we do meet up with like Miss Resnick, which I assume is the music teacher, but she's chasing the principal who's on a Segway with a helmet. Like, come on, sir. Like you could use two feet. How do you have funding for that? How do you have funding for that? Right, and she's chasing him because he has cut their music budget to zero. And all the principal cares about is like sports or like cheerleading. Like he does not care about like the other arts at their school. Mm -hmm. And so, She's chasing him. She's very upset, obviously passionate about the arts and like wants to continue having a music department, but he like completely brushes her off on the segue. But meanwhile, we meet Olivia and I feel like the way she gets detention is like very uncalled for like everybody else. I was like, okay, legitimate, somewhat legitimate. Okay, okay, okay. Our girl Olivia, played by Bridget Mindler, a Disney queen, is in the closet, like in a in a custodial closet reading a book out loud (laughs) reading some poetry (laughs) but like mops or brooms like fall and so as the principal is passing on his segue like here's here's the commotion in the closet and just gives her detention like i presume she was supposed to be in class but we're not told that but it really is funny because like i said this really does tell you immediately who these characters are and even her way of getting detention made no impact <laughs> like just like, like she is the most invisible of our invisible children here you know? yeah yeah but like uh then we see charlie at soccer tryouts where scott moe's boyfriend and ray his best friend and bandmate in mudslide crush are like the soccer stars as well as the band stars. And it's like, okay, pick a lane. I'm just kidding. You don't have to put yourself in a box in high school, but maybe maybe you don't need to be both of these things. <laughs> but he's like, <laughs> he's like laughing at Charlie, um, Ray, this mean band and soccer boy. We do see that Scott tells him to cut it out, Mo's boyfriend. So we know like he's not totally on board with Ray's shenanigans as he like teases Charlie. But I'm still like not sold on Scott because he also seems to think he deserves the privileges that come with being on the soccer team. <laughs> so Charlie is not focusing on soccer because he is simply staring at Mo, his one go-to, staring at this girl. So Ray keeps making fun of Charlie and kicks a ball at him. And uh, Charlie, understandably upset after having a ball kicked at him, gets upset and throws a ball, but it hits the coach. These poor stressed children <laughs> just like causing chaos getting detention detention for our guy charlie bless his little heart and then a lot of stuff happens in this one day and at first i was like what the heck is going on in this school schedule because after charlie gets attention there's like an assembly in the new gym 
they are thanking their sponsor Turbo Blast for like providing funding for this new gym. And the principal is talking to the students all about like taking risks and like being risk takers. And so Stella is like sitting randomly in like one of the bleachers and one of the mean cheerleader girls tells her to like give up her seat. And she's like, no. And so this like the whole conversation, like I guess the combination of like the cheerleader, the principal earlier talking about her shirt, the principal now talking about like taking risks. She's like, oh, like you want to see risk or whatever. This girl automatically oh i meant oh we didn't say this either so in the principal's office when he does talk about her shirt he does make her like cover up her shirt and so her mom like takes off her blazer and like gives it to stella so that like her question authority shirt isn't shown but all this conversation about taking risks and the cheerleader being rude like stella's like i'll show them so she like undoes the blazer and is like my shirt my choice and like is screaming (laughs) Wild. <laughs> Needless to say, our girl gets detention. <laughs> so, of course, Stella goes to the basement because that's where detention is in the basement, also known as the underground. And we find out here in the underground, she runs into like an AV kid. This boy is like the mayor of the underground. I don't know. Like, she doesn't ask for what's uh, this tour that's about to come. She doesn't like ask any questions. He's just like, let me show you around. He's like, he's like glad handing with all of the other clubs. Yeah. So he basically shows her around and tells her that basically like all the non-sports people have been like stuck in the basement. They've been forced to move to the basement. So like, mm-hmm. uh, what is it? Like journalism, yearbook, chess club, uh, robotics, like Shakespeare, mathletes, art club, ballet. Yeah. It's truly... Yes anything non-sports which is so funny because you've got some stem down here and stem makes schools money i feel like you've got like you've got like shakespeare that's like english (laughs) i feel like chess i don't know some of these i don't understand like i understand putting the arts in the basement that is something like ultimately like our high school loved i will say they had a very well-funded theater situation and they had a very well-funded sports situation, but they did not particularly well-fund their visual arts. And they also, like, as graduation requirements, you had to do nine seasons of a sport and only one semester of an art, <laughs> which is so funny. So, like, I understand these things happen in high schools. <laughs> um, but I was cracking up when I saw this because they're truly acting like they're a rebel alliance on the outskirts creating this second society. And we only really see this for one second. <laughs> But it's very, very funny. So he's like, well, anyway, this is my stop. Detention's at the end of the hall. And right outside the door of detention, there is a lemonade machine. Uh, Are you sensing something? Are you getting a sense? Have you heard the word lemonade before today? Yes, you have. Now, (laughs) I have never seen a machine that sells just cans of lemonade. But, you know, this one is clearly something special because it is honestly simply glowing it's not like glowing like a way that's intentionally magical but they really were like yeah we're gonna make this glow for this scene to show that it's important (laughs) and uh this is what olivia our narrator says there is a moment where the stars align where the fates align creating that perfect union this was that moment and what she's talking about is all five of these kids showing up to detention and buying lemonades and we see each of them take a sip of the lemonade and make a little face It's very cute. (laughs) Okay, and now we're back at where the movie started, where they're all in detention. Yes. 
So while Miss Resnick is out to give the principal a piece of her mind, we hear a little water drip. We hear a little drip Ooh. drop. And these kids are supposed to be cleaning and Stella has outright said she does not want to. She's like, this is cruel and unusual punishment. I'm like, really, Stella? You, she's again, getting so mad. <laughs> we, we, we hear a little drip drop. And then mm-hmm. we hear, is it, does it Olivia? Charlie. Person? Oh, it's Charlie. Okay, it's Charlie next. And then slowly, we're all starting to make a beat. And then all of a sudden... Yeah, Charlie starts drumming his fingers. Wen starts tossing his keys back and forth. They're snapping. Mo is spraying a spray bottle. Then Stella starts clapping. And you know, she's cla- she can't clap normal. She's clapping up in the air, <laughs> under her leg. She's really... <laughs> I love Haley Kiyoko. I just think this is the goofiest role of her lifetime. And then Olivia breaks out into song. Would you believe? It's spontaneous. Spontaneous. It's gorgeous. Y'all, beautiful. Truly beautiful. It's so funny. And Olivia's still initially trying to clean while singing, again, a completely original song. And it's honestly super fun and super cute. And then at one point there's, this is, so decom, right? Because you only need so much reality to hold a decom scene together. At one point, there's multiple voices singing, but only Olivia's mouth is still moving. And also, how would any of the other kids know the words? But you should never. It's like this movie's like half like musical, right? Like we're like in musicals, everyone knows the words, even if it's a song that like they've never heard before. And this movie is like half a movie about a band making songs or 90% a band a movie about a band making songs. But it's also got 10% musical moments where there is simply no way these other kids would know the songs and we're like fully on board with it. <laughs> it's the magic. It's the fate of the Mel's Lemonade. <laughs> but yes, this is super fun and cute. Um, and this is, I do love these scenes where you see like them making music out of what's around them. And suddenly... They all, like, they all, because they're, this is the basement where they're moving the music room, right? So they all find their instruments, and when is playing the keyboard and the xylophone, Charlie gets to a drum kit, Stella gets a guitar, uh, and Mo plays the upright bass, I think, mm-hmm. and then, and I wrote, wow, the first song proved to me that it might be 11 years later, but these bad boys still go hard. Oh, no! <laughs> These songs still hit Avery. <laughs> uh, this first song is, come on, come on, turn up the music. <laughs> and you know who else thinks that this song hits? Miss Resnick. Because she comes back and hears them and she tells them that they are a band and that they should form this band and that they should perform in Rising Star, the upcoming song, sing, band competition that's coming up. Miss Resnick wants them to prove that sports isn't the only thing that matters. And so I, yeah, go ahead. I did love that this teacher was immediately like, yes, not like just like I should encourage these children's passions. She's like, you are the key to what I want. You are the tool to showing that music is important. (laughs) She was like, you are the way. And I was like, that's a lot to put on these children. And frankly, the children agree. They don't care. Yeah, every everybody passes. They say that, like, they're too busy. They have other things to do. Charlie's like, we don't stand a chance against Mutt's Like Crush. Right, because Mutt's Like Crush is entering Rising Star as well. Olivia's got stage fright. There is, uh, Wendell's like, well, you can't, I guess I'm out then, because you can't enter a competition with one man in a band. 
And Leslie, he's so funny. He's like, I guess I could go solo. I, I love him. He has such goofy. <laughs> he's very goofy. But like, they're like, yeah, we're going to lose. So why bother? Because the, you know, Mudslide Crush is amazing. And Miss Resnick says, because you deserve to be heard, which I'd say is the theme of the movie. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yes. And suddenly you see them all considering, but they still do all go their separate ways after detention. Mm-hmm. And so we all see them going home. Olivia goes home, not to parents, but to a grandmother and a very old cat. Simply ancient. Yes, yeah, a very old cat that looks like it hasn't eaten. Nancy. Nancy's the name of the cat. Um, Poor Nancy. We also see Wynn. Apparently, Wynn has a horse. Like... <laughs> Yeah, like when he comes home and when's like, oh, do you want to ride? Um, do you want to ride with like the family, including Sydney, the 28 year old girlfriend? And when's like, no. And his sister's like, but you love to ride. And it's very clear that like he doesn't want to do it because he wants nothing to do with Sydney. And then Mo's at home with her family and she's practicing her violin, like being the dutiful, like, Indian perfect daughter. Charlie is out here playing the drums at home. Mom asks how soccer tryouts goes and he lies and says that they went great. And so mom is like, oh, I'm so excited. You can go to Stanford and play soccer just like your brother. And so a lot of a lot yeah. of familial expectations here. I tell you that. A lot of familial expectations because she's like, you can go to Stanford and she's like, all right, that's enough drums. Go inside and do your homework because it's like the only extracurricular that matters to her is the one that she thinks matters, which is soccer. Yeah. Wild. And then same thing with like Mo. We actually see she's playing classical music or something like that until um, her dad steps out of the room and she actually starts playing turn up the music again on the violin, which I thought was super cute. Like she's like, She's still thinking about it. So it's clear that they're all kind of, they're unhappy with where they're at. They're mm -hmm. like a little like, mm -hmm. they could use a change. And then we see Stella, who of yes. course is immediately like lecturing her father on eating fish because she's not just angry about everything. She's also angry, an angry vegetarian. So they're eating fish. She's mad about it. And they're like, oh, since when did you become a vegetarian? And she's wearing a shirt. <laughs> So it's like, was it vegetarian rocks or something like that? Yeah, vegetarians rock. And it's like, mm -hmm. I have been for four months. Like, it's clear that that Stella, like her family just doesn't pay attention to her. Like everyone seems mm -hmm. to be smart and geniuses and like in their own world. And Stella's very much the black sheep of her family. She has two tw little brothers who are twins who like make their own toys. Her dad is like a doctor working to cure cancer. Her mom is making like, they're all doing good things. Her mom's like some sort of an engineer. And so they're all like doing cool shit, but like, yeah, they're completely freezing her out unintentionally, but like, it's weird. Like they don't, they um aren't listening to her. She, she's like frustrated and she's like, I can do things too. I can start a, re a revolution. And so she decides she's gotta have her own thing. And so the next day, Stella texts every single one of them. And my real question is, hasn't she been at this school for one day? How? How does she have everybody's numbers? How does she have their numbers? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> but she texts everybody and is like, we need to meet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they're all like, what is this about? Which is so funny. What do you think it's about? <laughs> what do you think it's about? <laughs> they go, we need to meet. And so they meet at Dante's Pizzeria. And 
Stella announces that, you know, she doesn't even say like, oh, guys, like, I really think this Resnick's idea was cool. We should start a band. No, she goes and tells them that she has signed them up for Halloween Bash and Rising Star without their consent. This band has existed for 30 minutes. 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like, you did what? Excuse me? What? Huh? Um, mm-hmm. Wim's like, oh yeah, like Olivia should write our songs. Stella's like argument is like, you don't want to be a random face in the yearbook. Like this is wow, so inspiring. This is a way for you to like change your norm and all this other stuff. And like slowly she begins to like convince everybody to do it. But the last holdout is Charlie. And Charlie says like, he's going to flip a coin. <laughs> And he flips the coin and the coin says they should make a band. Which is wild. Like, obviously he was going to join the band. The hot girl he has a huge crush on joined them. Even like they even got her to commit. And he's, he's sitting here pretending he's going to flip a coin. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. like, the coin yeah. flip settles it. And it's like, yes, even fate is on their side. You know, yes. Lemonade Mouth is supposed to exist. And then we're at their first rehearsal. And you know what? Stella can't even be nice there. <laughs> yeah, Stella's Stella very really... hardcore and a little intense, too intense for me. <laughs> I know, it's so funny because I like, I'm sure I loved her in the year 2011, but Stella was driving me up the wall in this movie because she's like, not just a rebellious teen and she's not like, she's like, I have nothing against the stereotype of, like, well, I have a problem with the stereotype of the angry feminist, but I have no nothing against the person who is, an, like, is called out as an angry feminist. But this is, like, a Disney Channel movie's attempt at some sort of angry feminist without actually having her be a feminist. <laughs> like, her cause is not that. But, like, it's so, such a strange caricature of, like, a child who wants, like, ultimately, what she is is a, a child who wants to make change. She's, like, kind of like a she's like a Disney Channel Disney Channel idea of a punk right mm-hmm. she's like against authority so it's cool but for some reason they really leaned into her anger <laughs> it's it's a lot yeah <laughs> but yeah she's like yelling at Charlie because he's not on beat and it's like it's his first day she's getting she's like we need to be more hardcore she's getting frustrated with everyone and they're all getting frustrated with her too and Fine, like Mo is like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm a classically trained musician in the violin. I don't play the bass. This is not working. We sound because they're all playing at different speeds. They're not like in sync, and it's like I am Mo's like I'm out. Yes, but just as she's about to get out, Wynn gets on the keyboard and makes magic. <gasps> he does it again, <laughs> and Olivia breaks out into song. And guys, this is where we get the song, Somebody. For those who were around when this movie premiered, Somebody played so much during Disney commercials, like during Disney Channel commercials. Like it was just the music video of this scene, like them playing Somebody. That's so funny. It was so good. Listening to it again, I was like, oh yeah, this is good.
I know we're gonna talk about the music a little bit more, but like again, I have a I had a great time listening to this song. I had a great the music is really fun in this movie. They do it right, and they hired children who could sing. Somebody is great. And then after this great performance, we got the band kind of on board again. Like, no one's going to leave. Like, we feel good. But in the next scene, Mo goes to visit Scott. And Ray is, like, over off to the side. And he's, like, clearly upset because now that a new band has, like, come and signed up for the Halloween bash, like, they don't get to play their full set. And so Mo realizes like, oh crap, like this is my band. Scott dismisses it as like, the new girl Stella has some band. And Mo asks like, oh, do you know who else is in the band? And Scott dismisses her and says, oh, like probably such a, like probably a bunch of nobodies. And so this is where Mo has to like admit that she's in this band. And listeners, Scott does not take it well. He's not an encouraging boyfriend at all. He truly, he is so gross and his ego is so hurt that he turns into such a little bitch about it. And it's like, we know Ray is annoying, but like Scott, we've seen be half annoying, but it's like, like, again, he makes me like, like he makes my skin crawl with the way he treats her. And it's so funny because I'm like, John, why are you getting so heated about this? (laughs) He really does like. He's just like, I feel like I thought he was handsome in the year 2011. And now I'm like, this little bitch, he's no good for you. He's no good for you. I am the Indian father now. Stay away from this. I mean, but truly though, he says like, oh, if you wanted to play music, you just could have played backup for me. What? Mm -hmm. And he's so like, he's just, he's just not supportive of his girlfriend or her endeavors or anything like that. It's just not good. He's like, you know, you're joining the band that's taking half of our night. She's like, and now, oh, she's like, oh, it's your night. It's the Halloween bash. It's not your night, sir. And he's like, you know, my music is important to me. You know that. And it's like, yeah, maybe her music is important to her, too. But anyway, he's very smug. He's gross. And he's always like interrupting her and talking over her because, again, he's the important little prince. And where are they? Where are they right now? Where are they having this argument? Behind the scenes before a video shoot for Mudslide (laughs) Crush is banned. (laughs) I hate, like, listen, they do a great job singing it, but I do not care for their music. Yeah, their music, their song is called Oh. (laughs) And the lyrics are such as, I'm a superstar and I got a cool car and the girls like me better than whoever you are. And it's like, the thing is, again, they sing it well, but I think what the movie does well is like, for young kids especially, so maybe a little younger than this age group, at least at work in Karma's world, it's very hard to show a song that is bad versus a song that is good for a certain age group. And what this does really well is it shows you a song that is, it could be good. It could be considered good because Disney still wants to sell this song as Mm -hmm. well, right? It could be a good song. It's an empty song, right? We've seen Lemonade Mouth sing two songs that mean something to them. And this does not have meaning, right? It's like empty music. That said... These boys have great stage presence. They're doing these giant jumps. They're they're like falling back onto the crowd. And I was like, is this music important to you, Scott? Or is like having a loving, adoring crowd of fans important to y'all? Mm, mm. But anyway, he does throw his girl Mo a fedora because this movie is sponsored by fedoras and plaid pants. <laughs> <laughs> and boy bangs. I was wondering when you were um, going to bring up wardrobe. I, I will say I thought a lot less about wardrobe than I, 
I could have because I was like, there's simply no time to get to the real bottom of what they made Haley Kyoko wear. <laughs> Who has the time? <laughs> yes, we will. And like, we will talk. Yeah, <laughs> we will certainly talk. Um, and then the next day, or soon after, I don't know when. Um, these our our friends, our band walks through the school, and it's like it's supposed to be like everyone stopping to stare at them but for some reason they decided to show this by showing literally no other student in the school speaking as they walk through the hall so it's like a full auditorium of completely like scarily silent children staring at them <laughs> um but it's like when and stella and they're like when, and they're like what's going on um and when's like well we've upset mudslide crush they're you know the pride of mesa high they're a big deal and she's like so what are we and he's like we're more like a rash, persistent. <laughs> I truly, I have to say, he doesn't get enough of these lines, but I love you, Wendell. <laughs> oh, so this happens and they're like, uh, as the stairs are happening, they are actually headed downstairs to the basement because they're having a band meeting. They're all drinking their lemonades, all cute and cool. And then Stella says like, first order of business, like we need to come up with a band name. Some some titles get thrown around. Stella throws out the anarchists. When wants the band to be when. Listen, I support when. <laughs> Olivia goes out and gets another lemonade. And then she finds a threatening sign that says back off the bash. So scary. Also, these children are chugging these lemonades. She's like, I need to go get another lemonade. She leaves half a lemonade on the t- This isn't important. I, don't, I even said, Jehan, you don't need to say this one out loud. I just... <laughs> I, I watched her leave that lemonade like three quarter, like a quarter full on the table. And I was like, no, you don't. She literally says, I need to go get another lemonade. I was like, no, you don't. Look in front of you. <laughs> but anyway, um, we have a threatening sign. People don't want them to be playing. And this this causes some concern. Yes. And uh, meanwhile, um, Stella also called the lemonades like the unofficial underworld badges. We're subterranean and we're proud. So like they are like kind of claiming the lemonade as like, it's important to them, right? It brought them together. And apparently they are obsessed with lemonade. Think about your tooth enamel, kids. (laughs) And I was, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) We find out that Mo has been trying to get in touch with her boyfriend, Scott. Yes. And this bitch hasn't called her back. No, he's been avoiding her and he hasn't called. So and he's like, rude. I, I, it's so rude. He's like, I've just been distracted. You know how it is, right? And he's so petty. He's so such a little passive aggressive baby because he's like, you know how it is. What with rehearsals and music and being in a band. And it's just like, okay, we get it. You don't think her band is the real deal. And she's like, wait, is that still what this is about? The band? Because she's like still trying to be with her boyfriend. Yes. (laughs) But he just like walks away to go sit with his his crew. um, And uh, our boy Charlie comes over to Mo's table. And so he wants to talk to her just, uh, I guess, like more to make casual conversation. But Mo's like, oh, should I be worried? Like he asked Charlie, you know, should I be worried about Scott's behavior? You're a guy. Like, right? Yeah, you're a guy, right? Rude as hell. <laughs> I know. And in this moment, she like clearly friend zones him because she's like, oh, yeah, but like, you know, you're different. You're my friend. And it's like, oh, poor Charlie. 
poor Charlie, but also like, you know, he's younger than her. She has a boyfriend and <laughs> yes. he is a sweetie though. Um, anyway, at this point, Olivia is trying to buy a turbo blast. She's trying to drink the school sponsored beverage. A cheerleader steals it. I was truly at this point, like, why are these bullies always running rampant at these DCOM schools? Like, we're back in oh, 2011. No. <laughs> so Ray joins the cheerleader and starts getting up in Olivia's face. And is like, oh, you sing? Why don't you sing for us right now? And, you know, Olivia has, like, stage fright. So she's like, like, and this guy's, like, badgering her. So she's, like, kind of cowering a little bit. Wen and Mo try to get him to leave her alone. He's like, who's going to make me stop? And Charlie's like... I will. And then immediately has like this bigger guy on him. And he's like, um, maybe we can take it. <laughs> we can go slow. Um, so these four are like very terribly trying to stand up for themselves and stand up to Ray, the lead singer of Mudslide Crush, this bully. And then Stella shows up and your girl does something simply disgusting. I will say, I do not approve of her actions. <laughs> Stella taps right on the shoulder and is like, wait just one moment sips the Mel's lemonade and then proceeds to like spit it out like in his face and fans I want to just say this is the most yellowest yellow lemonade I have ever seen like this stuff is neon <laughs> I wrote exactly this lemonade has been food colored to the edge of all reason it's neon yellow and the color it leaves on his shirt it simply looks like he's been peed on by the most dehydrated acrid person in the world it is disgusting because lemonade is never that color the no. only thing that color is a very sickly person's pee <laughs> and i didn't want to bring it up but that's not the color of lemonade yeah no it's it's a very unnatural color like it's weird and an unsettling color <laughs> we are disturbed yes um but yeah i also just like Thought it was, yeah, like I said, so gross to do to someone, but I get that he's a bully. And it's so funny because in the scene, when is like, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And Stella is a fighter. <laughs> Stella is there to get in, get into scrapes and stuff. Yes. And uh, the principal shows up. And obviously, Ray has the principal on his side and is immediately like, listen, lemonade mouth over here spit all over me. And uh, that's how they got their band name. Hey! <laughs> from the most disgusting thing I have ever seen. I will say, this isn't hugely important, but I misremembered this. I didn't remember that it was something he said that became their band name where he's like, he calls her Lemonade Mouth. Yeah. I thought they were referring to the face they all make when they take a sip of lemonade. Oh. Because they make such a big deal about that face several times in the movie. You see them make these really exaggerated faces every time they take the first sip of sour lemonade, but it's unrelated. So <laughs> the next scene cracks me up. Because Wendell shows up at Olivia's house. And she's like, Wendell, what are you doing here? And he's like, ah, well, you know, Stella said I should come work on, come by and work on some songs with you. Wendell, did you not tell her in advance? Did you just let Stella make this plan? You can't just show up at someone's house. I know. Like, she could have been doing things. She could have had plans. Jeez. Listen, what we know about Olivia, he was not wrong to show up. Your girl is never... These are all lonely children. And I, we, we can talk about this a little bit more, but... Olivia, I have never seen, there is literally not one scene where Olivia is talking to someone other than her grandmother and her cat, and now this band. <laughs> so he was not wrong to presume she was free, but still. And you know, to that point, 
he walks in and he meets her grandma and she's like, I've never met one of Olivia's friends before. And I'll be honest, grandma. I almost want to tear up. I want to tear up because that is so sad. Grandma. Um, but like, these, these kids are so lonely and like none of them have had any friends before but Mo and they're all in like these complicated family situations and so stressed and emotional and so teenaged. But yes, we haven't seen like, like, I guess Mo, even her, it was just a boyfriend. We haven't seen a like solitary actual friend who they're talking to. And I get part of that is that it was a very heavy cast and like you can only put so many people into a decom. But like decoms are, and decoms are also bad at filling those gaps. But like also these are just lonely kids. Yeah. So when comes over is like, oh, you have no friends. Anyway, want to hear a rap? <laughs> not say that he does he says the words want to hear a rap i'm not sure he does say that but he also asks about her cat because he's like okay. yo that's a really old cat <laughs> you're right, you're and right. then olivia good. starts crying because nancy the cat was like the last thing of her mom's and then before she died and then when asked about her dad but like uh -huh. olivia quickly changes the subject which makes us think like hmm where's dad mm -hmm. where's dad and so then they get close and they're like listening to them or like you know on the computer like coming up with ideas and like oh, singing mm -hmm. some lyrics and then they get really close and then oh. when and olivia have a moment they it's not the look but it is a look it's a look. He doesn't have the look. You're right. Um, yeah. Listeners, if you listen to our last episode, you know, the look is when they romantic lead of a movie, like usually the male romantic lead, like you just see like so many feelings in their eyes. Yeah. I would say this isn't the look, but it is a look. And then he goes, I like when you smile. <laughs> but then they got to get back to business and they get back to the but then, And then he is like, want to hear a rap? <laughs> And so then the next day, the band is headed downstairs and they see in front of the detention that Mel's Lemonade, the vending machine, has like a sign on it that says scheduled for removal. No, no, no. We, <laughs> so we are upset. So Stella and Wynn like go to the office and the lady, I guess the receptionist, the administrative assistant, she comes and tells them that like oh like first she does that she has no idea what they're talking about i know i was no like there's clue. a lemonade machine down there <laughs> has no idea but she does say like oh you know turbo blast is our new sponsor and like having the mel's lemonade is like a conflict of interest and like that thing was supposed to be scheduled for removal ages ago and so they are upset yes another thing to be upset about in this suppressive society so <laughs> yes once again our girl stella is shouting at someone and when it really this time you do actually see when like intervene and he's like what if we just he like really is just like talking to her politely so she responds and it's like oh yes that is an option stella do you think this woman is directly responsible for you losing your vending machine like maybe we need to redirect our uh frustrations <laughs> but anyway. uh also i didn't know schools got sports drink sponsorships yeah, I don't I didn't know high schoolers high schools did. Help. My college though did. We are Coca-Cola. Oh yeah, your co your college was sponsored by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola company. No Pepsi products allowed. It's so funny. So somebody's uh, like they're like it's uh, when's like it's just a machine Stella. And I'll be honest, I kind of agree. It doesn't feel as personal as these other issues she was shouting about it, like personal expression and stuff, but she does feel it's more than that. 
So the lemonade machine means something. To, and I get, like, it's symbolic, but also there are other battles to fight here. Right? We have so many things to worry about at this school. We need funding for the music. We need the arts. Right. Like, like the vending machine, that's ultimately just making someone else money. And you have lemonade. You like, it's nice that it's symbolic, but like, focus up on the things that you can change and that matter. I just want to direct her power. She's very powerful. So again, so many things are happening in these in, with these characters' lives. So then we get a next scene. Wins at home. He sees all these boxes. It's like, what is all this stuff? And he's on the little power bike. And then his dad goes, "Huh, Cindy's moving in, and I've asked her to marry me." What? What he then says is shocking. I know this has been tough to you, mom leaving, me moving on. Sorry, his mom left. None of these children can catch a break. <laughs> like, emotionally, these children are going through it at home. <laughs> the dad is like, she makes me happy. And I, I do support the dad being happy. Sydney does seem very nice. But sorry, you asked her to move in without telling your son? Right. You asked her to marry you without talking it over with your son? This is not like Phantom of the Megaplex, where the children were like, why hasn't George proposed yet? This is the opposite. <laughs> this is like... <laughs> This is like, yo, this is going way too fast. Slow it down. Decom parents are really always wild. They're they, yeah. always ready to cause a ruckus. This is the day before the Halloween bash. We're learning a lot about these kids. Ray is still annoyed. The Lee Singer Mudslide Crush. He's still annoyed that this band has taken half of his time. So what he does next is he takes, he's like, hey, Mo, why don't you come up to the new weight room that Turbo Blast paid for? Where... She sees like another girl touching her, Scott's muscles. So I, it, Ray has very clearly set up Scott to look like he's flirting, and but Scott was also still kind of flirting, but he's done it so that Mo catches them. And it's just like, what kind of psychological warfare is this shit? I, but at the same time, I'm really like, dude, isn't Scott supposed to be your friend? Like, I get like wanting to sabotage Mo, but like, Scott's your friend. Like, why would you do that to Scott? Not a single redeeming quality to be found in Ray. Like, they really were like, he is going to be cartoonishly evil and just like do the meanest shit with like a little bit like of a sociopath situation going on in this school that we're not addressing. Yeah. <laughs> because he's good at soccer. <laughs> Although, you know, now I feel like that's a little closer to real life. I do feel like sometimes people let jocks get... There are nice jocks. I'm not saying that. But I do think, okay. like, the things they let jocks get away with. Sociopath behavior. Touche. So Mo's upset and she goes running down the stairs. And Scott wants to chase after her, but he's like, let her... But Ray's like, let her go. She's made her choice. And I'm like, okay. Okay. Next scene, we're at the Halloween bash. The Halloween bash is here. It's time. The whole group is waiting for Olivia. No one can find Olivia. Um, AV guy says that he saw her like go this way, which is towards the bathrooms. And so the group goes to find her. Meanwhile, much like Crush, they're like, oh, I guess like the other group bailed on you. Like we'd be happy to take the whole set, these assholes. Absolute villainy. They're, yes, they're terrible. I will say this is one of my favorite scenes. Hands down. My so, dude, my dude. <laughs> so they go, they go and find Olivia locked away in the bathroom. <laughs> The like the guys are kind of like, well, not like totally in the restroom, but kind of standing aside. And it's Stella and Mo that go in. But then they're like, oh, we're we're coming in. Like, we're going to come in. My 
favorite line of the movie, and I know it's such a throwaway line, but I laughed so hard, Jahan. <laughs> There's a girl coming in, and she's in a costume of a toilet. And Charlie, and Charlie goes, we got plenty. Thank you. Maybe next door. Sorry. And the girl turns around. She's like, okay, there's too many toilets in this bathroom. I screamed. I don't know if it was like because I was watching it late at night and I was delirious, but I was screaming. I thought that was so funny. It was so funny. And it just like. You know I love a goofy joke for no reason. And that's the sort of shit that gets cut from movies and shows all the time. I don't know how they kept it. But I also don't know why they weren't doing that dumb shit the whole movie. I don't know why they were like, this one scene needs to get a little bit off the wall. But I'm glad they did. I absolutely It was like hands down like my favorite line of the movie. <laughs> but, you know... Wen is at the door trying to talk to Olivia and is like, hey, how are you feeling? Like, how's it going? And luckily, our girl Stella has a whole little utility belt full of lemonade. She's like wearing this little utility belt bandolier of lemonade. And I was like, okay, Stella, you're a little freak. And she's like, here, take this. And so they give the lemonade to Olivia. And Olivia, with one smooth gulp, gets the courage and finds the strength to come out. You, We hear the cop, before she comes out, we just hear, ah, and it's so loud. And I was like, Bridget, you didn't need to go so hard. The lemonade has given her strength. But it's like, they were all like, we believe in, you know, she was scared and they're like, we believe in you, okay? And then when you, as Avery said, gets up close and he's like, I believe in you. It's very like, oh. He's making it about them when it's about the band right now, when please. But I also do think it's a, I will say that I think it is a good like juxtapose to like Scott mm -hmm. and Mo versus mm -hmm. like Wen and and Olivia mm -hmm. because like here's a boy who's like I believe in you you can do it versus Scott who's like oh you could have just played backup in my band like mm, mm. Mm -hmm. it's not right so they go out and you know this crowd does not care about this band right They're, they wanted mudslide crush and the crowd starts booing them Ray is heckling them Although Scott, again, does tell him to stop. So sometimes he cares about when Ray is being a bitch, but not enough for me, not enough for my taste. And I then started losing my shit because, listen, I forgot what happened in this song. And I was truly like, please, why are they starting with this slow song about tears? I, I was just like, I could have told you not to do that at the Halloween bash. I was like, this is supposed to be a fun dance for the kids, not about like the tears falling down your face, Olivia. But then when the beat drops, my God, do I fucking lose it? This is, I think, what like to me is like the iconic like lemonade mouth number because earlier when Wendell came out, when Wen came over to Olivia's and they were writing the song, he was like rapping. He was just like, you want to hear me rap? And he starts rapping and he includes the word determinate. And Olivia roasts him. She's like, determinate is not a word. And this song is called Determinate. And it's just like, oh, she agreed to put it in a song because they're buddies. He's like, you know, it means being, it's about like becoming determined and like, like feeling powerful. And it like, it's a sweet song. And it's like, so silly. It's about, a, it's a, still a fake word. And Mo is like killing it on the bass. She looks so badass. And you know who's watching? Fucking Scott. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Anyway, so the, it's like, gotta turn, uh, we'll play it, but gotta turn the world into your dance floor. Determinate. 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 
was like, Mo looks great, Scott, you're a goddamn fool. <laughs> <laughs> when raps, we get some coordinated moves. The crowd is on their feet. Like, the crowd freaking loves it. Like, they are on their feet, cheering, screaming, like they love it. Even Scott looks impressed in the crowd. Like eventually, like he comes around and he looks impressed. Scott looks impressed. Um, the you know the mean cheerleaders. One of them can't resist dancing. Girls start like for, Charlie is on the drums, swooshing his hair every five seconds. Boy, get a ponytail or something if it's a problem for you. But um, he's got this long hair and he's swooshing it every second, and the girls are loving it. They're screaming his name. Stella is doing her like she's like on her back playing the guitar. It's all very fun. So they've won over this crowd, including the principal who is dancing. Mm -hmm. um, and like like you said, Scott even says, "Looks like we got some competition for Rising Star because they are great." So yeah. they finish determinate, and they're like, "Ah, oh, they're gonna keep playing fun songs. It's the Halloween dance. These kids, they love music." No, Stella's gonna take the mic and give an impassioned speech about saving the lemonade machine. <laughs> yes, Olivia's out here passing out lemonade, and Stella goes in. She not only talks about the removal of the lemonade machine, but also talks about how the other clubs are stuck in the basement and like how it's not right and it's not okay. And again, like Jahan said, in passion and the principal is not happy. And I will say like this time, at least, you know, Stella has a point where it's like this time it's like, oh, it's what the lemonade machine is emblematic of before she really was just mad about the lemonade machine. But she's like, it's about like the school treating certain people like they matter more than others. And, you know, funding for sports is more important than any one of us. And I was like, this bitch loves mess. <laughs> she says, we all deserve to be treated like we matter. And like the music teacher is there and like the principal's like, sorry, did you... <laughs> Did you know about this? And she's, but she's just like so happy for that because they're like, they do all deserve. It's like what she told them, right? They all deserve mm -hmm. to be treated like they matter. They deserve to be heard. They're like, because ladies and gentlemen, we do matter. And then the next song starts with a chant. It's like, be, be heard, be strong, be proud. It's like, um, and they're, I truly was like, they're like a cause band now. They're like conscious rappers almost. And they're suddenly like, they're more than like, just there to play they're they're not like mudslide crush right they're not there just to have fans and make some fun music they're they've got a mission now um again the principal is furious that, but the song is about standing up for what they believe in until the principal unplugs things and shuts them down stella is of course back in her question authority tea <laughs> yes on monday morning we're back in the principal's office <laughs> yo this principal's pissed he's so he calls them all to the front office and says that Lemonade Mouth is over, that they cannot practice in the music room. They cannot use the instruments. Like, they better not be performing or doing anything Lemonade Mouth-wise on campus. I mean, it's, listen, you can stop them from practicing at the school, but you can't stop the movement. <laughs> I was, because... listen, I was saying you can't <laughs> stop a revolution. <laughs> so, it ain't over. Because the AV guy during science is like, yo, when I made a CD of your performance at the Halloween bash and I've been selling them for like $10 a pop. <laughs> and they only played one and a half songs, Mr. AV. You're charging a lot. I know. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I was like, people are paying $10 for one song. <laughs> How? These profit margins. Um, 
And so the AV club guy is like, yeah, like we want to keep on selling them as long as we get 30%. And so they're like, (laughs) deal. (laughs) So they're at the cafeteria and they're reading the review of the school newspaper and people love them. And now the fangirls are waving at Charlie now, like they're famous. They're, they're, yeah, they're having their moment. They're like, the newspaper calls them a champion for students sidelined by the high school privileged and elite. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Scott and Ray. (laughs) And it's like this, we enter a montage of their fame spreading. We start to see kids putting up signs. They're obsessed with them. Also, the symbol that like the like hand motion that represents lemonade mouth is the most bonkers thing I've ever seen. It is miming, holding, holding up a, taking a sip and holding up a can of lemonade three times. This does not look like anything. Extending your arm up in the air with an imaginary can of lemonade. I hated that. And I had to say something about it. Hell. (laughs) But yeah, the kids were doing that because, you know, they're part of the movement now. Yes. There are signs everywhere. People have like want the lemonade. Like it's a it's a thing now. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the principal has the custodial staff like taking down signs and he's like giving Stella a warning. And she's like, we didn't do this. Like, we didn't do it, but you can't stop it. So, mm. oh, again, she really loves like adding fuel to every fire she can. Right. She's never just like, we didn't do it. She's like, but what if we? <laughs> <laughs> and so they they were pretty down and felt like their band was shut down. So, you know, they're really bummed about not being able to play on campus and they're back at Dante's Pizzeria. And so when and Stella have the idea that they can play at the pizzeria. Wait, but, but they don't just, they're not just like renting space in the pizzeria. They gave their CD to Dante of Dante's Pizzeria and he loved it. <laughs> so who is this man who runs a pizzeria who loves one and a half songs by a high school band? <laughs> They're like, it could become a regular gig. Dante has taste. That's what he said. Determinate. This is absolutely my shit. <laughs> and Dante, we, when we see him later, it's not like he's like a young, hip um, Italian man running this pizzeria. He is like exactly who you'd think would be running the pizzeria. He's a middle-aged man. <laughs> he's just like... They bring on this idea to play. And Charlie's like, yo, I'm already lying to my parents about playing soccer. Mo's like, Scott goes to this pizzeria and like, I don't want to run into him. Olivia's like, I barely got through the last performance at the Halloween bash. Like, they out. Yeah. Mo walks, <laughs> Mo walks out first. <laughs> um, and they're like trying to convince her to like, no, like we should still do it. But then, yo, outside, <laughs> outside, on top of the pizzeria is a giant, like, I can't express <laughs> giant. I can't express how giant. It's like billboard size, y'all. It's a billboard. It's like these kids on printer paper printed a billboard. (laughs) Yes. There is a billboard size photo of Lemonade Mouth performing at the Halloween bash. And underneath it, it says, don't stop the revolution. I had so many more questions than I have answers, right? Like who we never learn who did this. We know it's just their fans. But how did they get it on the roof of the the pizzeria why the pizzeria they had no way of knowing they were considering performing were they just vandalizing the pizzeria did dante do it i don't know i assumed that it was dante i thought it was dante doing promotional he has a rich inner life this man (laughs) because this again this middle-aged man running a pizza place was like it's time for me to promote this band that hasn't fully committed to playing (laughs) 
pizzeria every week. Y'all, I cannot express how big this billboard is. It's wild. <laughs> it's so big. So I guess, yeah, Dante must have been on board. And then I think it's Mo who says, maybe we do matter. They're like, yeah, of course we do. And mm-hmm. I was like, I honestly don't know why the girl needed to see this sign to believe it, but I'm glad she did because it was a shockingly large sign. Yes. So they are they are inspired. This is a turning point for our our band because they start playing every Thursday night, standing room only. That's, oh my god! And now, Avery, I don't mean to cut you off, but can I speak on this next song? <gasps> Please do. I yes, I got to talk about somebody. I would love for you to talk about this song. I gotta say, this next song is it for me. I know I like all of the songs, but this is the one that in the year 2011, when I started my Spotify. I went and I found it and I put it on one of my first playlists, right? Like it was like <laughs> this song, She's So Gone, is when Mo takes over as the lead singer. And it is iconic. I cannot express enough. She's so gone. It's like what I think about when I think Lemonade Mouth, which is funny because I know it's a band. It's about the whole band and it should, I should think of determining. But Naomi Scott delivers a powerhouse performance in this scene. And it's just like, it's her basically, it's not directed to Scott. It's about her. It's about her like coming into her own, you know, because the, the girl that you thought you knew, she's so gone. That's over now. And she is singing through this pizzeria she is and i really was like we said sorry olivia you aren't the lead singer anymore it's mo's time to shine and like the exact moment i think about when i think about this movie is she picks up a gorgeously shiny napkin dispenser and sings to her reflection and it's classic decom right because what could be more classic decom than singing to a perfect very clearly flipped video of yourself like, um, and I, I really said, Naomi Scott, you didn't have to do it to us, but I am so glad she did. And it is. I, I, I want to point out that Scott is in this pizzeria. Why did this all happen? Uh, you know what? Mo doesn't notice because she's so gone. She's not worried about him. She's doing her own thing. The pizza, the guys in the kitchen at the pizzeria are also simply cheering and losing their shit. One of them jumps the counter of the kitchen to join dancing. And I was like, wow, Dante's is lit. (laughs) Yes, like when they say standing room only, we really mean like dance club. Because I will say that Mo is up here like on tables singing her heart out. Like, absolutely. Yes. And the (laughs) It truly is like, it's standing room only in the sense that it's a like full pizzeria with some people standing. It's like full, all the tables are full. And then there's like, it's a very funny looking crowd. And it's just like so clear to me in the scene that it's like filled with aspiring LA actors that they cast because they all are like these tiny white, possibly gay men. (laughs) Just like who all love her and they're twirling. They're twirling so much more than you'd think at a rock show. Uh, and my new dream is to be one of these background dancers. <laughs> but anyway, so she like has this moment where she like one of the like background dancers like spins her and they have this cute little moment 
and Scott is furious and stomps off. Okay, sir, you don't think like you ignored her. She was your girlfriend and you ignored her. Of course, she's gonna like come into her own, figure out who she is, who she wants to be. And you're not a part of her life right now. Mm -hmm. We love to see it. We do love to see it. Okay, anyway, I know I took that over. I, I really, that song, oh, I love it. I recommend Avery. <laughs> Anything else to say? Oh, no. I, I totally felt like you hit, you hit all the points. You hit everything. It's a beautiful song. <laughs> it's so good. And also, like, sometimes, you know, when you're casting one of these things, I feel like they're like, okay, it doesn't matter to us if every kid can sing. But they said all three of our girls are going to be able to sing. And also the boys sing sometimes too. And obviously one can rap. So they did a great job with that. Anyway, so as Olivia tells us in the narration, Lemonade Mouth was suddenly a sensation and five strangers were suddenly so much more. We were friends. <laughs> I feel like in the next scene, we are looking for Olivia because they haven't seen her in a long time. And so the band decides to go to her house. And when we get there, we find out that Nancy, her cat died. I was actively crying at this point. Oh no! I didn't think I would be, but you know how I am about cats. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, um, Nancy, Nancy died, and so they all go to the backyard, and they're looking at the clouds to see like what different shapes and like what they see in the sky. This is where I truly do feel like we get that Breakfast Club moment where like you know, mm -hmm. the friends are coming together and like sharing like their woes and, and Stella admits that like, she feels like she doesn't belong in her family. You know, her mom ignores her all the time. And Mo was like, you know, she's never going to live up to be her father's expectations of being like a perfect Indian daughter. Charlie's like, try living up to a perfect brother. When's like, my dad's got this ridiculous girlfriend. <laughs> I I love them all and I think they all are obviously they all have their rights to their struggles but it is very funny to me that anyone thinks they anyone thinks they have more going on than Wen and Olivia but like let's keep going which is um we get the bomb drop so everyone's like oh I wish oh I wish if only if only and Olivia just shouts out my dad's in prison and everyone's like what oh <laughs> I, I truly was like, she wasn't trying to play her trump card, but she certainly did. And it is very funny because like, honestly, I don't know if any of like, they all are going through a hard time as teenagers, but I don't think anybody's really got anything going on compared to definitely Olivia, but also we don't ever talk about the fact that Wen's mom left. <laughs> like it's yeah. never addressed. I feel like that should be talked about more, but his thing is all about Sydney. So um, yeah, she is too humiliated to talk about him or talk to him or about him, her dad. He writes, but she doesn't write back. All we know is that he made some really bad decisions after her mom died and she does still love him, but he's a stranger and it's really sad. I mean, I was crying about the cat already. And then when they started pointing at the clouds together, I was like crying a little bit more. I was like, they have friends now. <laughs> I don't know, I was probably sleep deprived and a little emotional. <laughs> and this is where you're like, don't forget, it's a Disney Channel original movie because like Olivia's like, I'm so glad to have this, you know, our friendship. And that's really, really sweet. But you know, that is a line you could have in any emotional, beautiful movie. Only in a decom would Stella then pick up her guitar and start playing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's ultimately, it is what Olivia wanted, right? Olivia like loves the band. She loves being able to focus on the band and Mo starts singing. 
And this song is so sweet. Will always be more than a band. Oh, we get this beautiful montage. So like we hear them singing, we hear them performing this song, but we also get what I can only presume to be Stella's house of them like being silly and hanging out and playing at the pool. At this point, I am real into my feelings and I did bell out twice. Like <laughs> it's a it's a very beautiful moment and it's really them just showing how far they've come from that like first moment in detention because now they're like true friends playing in pools. And and I, I just think it's so nice that they have each other. And I really did cry in this scene, as I told you, because they're besties. It's so nice. Yeah. And then I was like, these children are my talented sweeties. I really came to love them. <laughs> Not the talented sweeties. They are oh. my talented sweeties. <laughs> um. After this beautiful scene, guys, where Shahan's mm-hmm. crying, I'm belting, we get Scott into the picture. What's he doing here? I thought I kicked him out of my film. Right? <laughs> I was like, get out, Scott. We don't want you. But Scott <laughs> comes back. And I mean, like, Mo is randomly, like, walking in a park. It's not like she's at... Mo's randomly walking on a sidewalk. And Scott comes up to her and tries to apologize and said that he's made a mistake and that he still has feelings for her. Ugh you know, the usual. Mo's like, I'm not the same girl I was two months ago. She and her music are a package deal now. And it very much gave me Cheetah Girl vibes. If you can't respect my art, then you can't have my heart. Like it gave me that kind of vibe, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I loved. But she does say, she's like, yeah, like I forgive you, but nothing has changed. Like she's a powerful girl. And she's like, it's going to take a lot more than sorry to fix this. And I was like, let's go off girl. Um, You, she knows that he's a little bitch. Um, (laughs) So it's very fun to see like how I will say again, it's a long movie, but we really do see each of these characters grow in an exciting way or a, a lot of them grow in an exciting way. And then we go to Wendell who is doing fake interviews in his bathroom mirror, which is, so silly. And Sydney, who I think should learn to knock, yes. bursts in on this teenage boy in the bathroom. But for good reason. Because Determinate is playing on the radio. Yeah! And he calls Olivia and <laughs> Olivia changes the station. She's playing cards with, again, she only hangs out with Graham. She's playing cards with Graham. And Graham throws her cards in the air to dance with Olivia. And it's so sweet. And yeah, so they're all dancing to it together. I love them. But as Olivia lets us know, just when the future looked brightest for Lemonade Mouth, everything started to fall apart. We are a day away from the Rising Star competition. Mm -hmm. And Mo is sick. They're supposed to be performing. They're performing at Dante's. Mo is sick. And so they're not sounding good already. And Ray is there just to heckle Olivia. He like took the mic from her and starts like getting up in all their faces. He's like, loser mouth, whatever. He starts a food fight and basically like shuts down their show, gets them kicked out of Dante's and like absolutely makes a mess of this pizzeria and like ruins their gig. Mo's really upset. And it's just like, but Ray got what he wanted, right? Like Mm -hmm. things are not going well, but Charlie walks Mo home and he's like, "Eh, it's now or never. (laughs) Our boy, our sweet sweet youngest member of Lemonade Mouth decides the time is now. He's got to confess his feelings and he tells Mo he likes her finally. And I do like that he straight up says it. He doesn't, but Mo, it does not even occur to her to respond romantically to this, which I think is an interesting choice and I like it. But she's like, 
we're just friends, Charlie. Good, good friends. That's all. However, Charlie responds poorly. <laughs> yes, I, our boy does not. He doesn't take it well. He's very. Our upset. boy is not like, oh, this is a mature thing for a decom to show like I was. He apparently does not have my take. <laughs> he gets so mad. Yeah, Charlie leaves and is like very upset. He's and I, I do think he overreacted, but I also know that he's like a fourteen-year-old boy. So. Yeah, and Mo's dad kind of sees like a bit of this exchange happen. As he's like coming to the door. And so when Mo comes in the house, he's like, you're too young for boys and rock bands. And that he didn't come to this country to see her like throw it all away again. This is some like surface pressure. Who wrote this line? (laughs) Who wrote this line? I didn't come to this country and make the sacrifices I make just so you could throw it all away on boys and rock bands. I want to know who wrote this line. It's so heavy. It's like, it's so much. A real Again, they've decided to really lean into this over-the-top Indian dad. And listen, it is a thing that exists. It's not like a wholly inaccurate thing. But, and again, it was 11 years ago, but it really is like laying it on thick. Like, Mo is doing good work with standing up for herself all around. You know, she just stood up for herself with the boy a little while ago. And she's like, the mom is like, sorry, what's going on? And Mo's like, dad doesn't trust me, right? And she like straight up calls him out, which I really like. And mom's like, but we do trust you. And she looks at her dad. She's like, do you? And he just walks away. But yeah, he doesn't trust her. To be fair, she did have a secret boyfriend. But I also think like he didn't trust her with the boyfriend. And that's why she had the secret boyfriend. So she's right. He doesn't trust her. Then the mom feels her forehead and your girl is burning up. And not in the good way, like the Jonas Brothers. I was going to say, not in the Jonas Brothers way. (laughs) So, um, but Moe's not the only one who things are going south for. Charlie's really upset and he's playing the drum so hard his stick breaks. Then he goes to get his other sticks out of a drawer and shuts his fingers. It's, I don't think we needed to see something this graphic. We see his three fingers get slammed in the drawer, which is like, whatever then we see them bleeding and we later learn like they all broke too how do you break them and slice them i don't know i don't know (laughs) your boy sliced and diced those little fingies (laughs) (laughs) and those drawers seem really dangerous i just have a lot of questions it's not just them who's down bad because when and his dad are putting up this unnecessarily massive photo of him and Sydney. Like this thing is huge. Like there's the there's the other little pictures of the family like next to it. <laughs> there's a giant photo of the it's dad and Sydney enormous. and I'm like this is absurd. <laughs> a goofily large picture of Sydney and the dad in cowboy hats. And uh the dad chooses this moment when they're again lifting up this simply a ginormous picture to say when will you be my best man? Poor Wen drops the frame into his eye. Oh, we're just seeing such gruesome shit happen to these kids. And like, it's so stressful. I'm so worried about all my babies. They're all sick. They're all injured. And so we see Wen and Olivia meet up and they're like talking about how they're going to perform at Rising Star tomorrow with like you know, we've got Mo sick. Wen's got his visions a little blurry. Charlie can't play. And like when Olivia hears that he got asked to be best man, she's like, that's great news. And I honestly did think because he was helping hang up the picture, maybe he was a little bit more on board with Sydney. But no, he goes, that's terrible news. Just because Sydney wormed her way into my family doesn't mean I have to be happy about it. 
again, I know all kids are allowed to have their feelings and all that, but Olivia does finally say, <laughs> Olivia's finally like, I have had enough with these other teens and their petty problems. <laughs> she calls him ridiculous and honestly, she's not wrong, right? Like Wendell like straight walks away from her because he's so upset. Because these kids are all really down and out. They're at their bottom. You know, like, fate brought this band together and then fate turned on these children. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened, but... She stops when and he's, like, so mad. He's like, we, we can't play, so we're out. You know, maybe it is time to call it quits. <laughs> but Olivia's, like, not going to let him get away with changing the subject. She's like, this isn't about Lemonade Mouth. This is about you not appreciating what you have. You know, you've got your dad, a little sister, and Sydney. And you know what? Olivia is right, and she should say it. She doesn't remember her mom. She hasn't talked to her dad in years. And you have the nerve to feel sorry for yourself. And I get it. He's going through a tough time, but it really is like a tough time about what's ultimately not a terrible situation. But it's hard to be a teenager. I don't ever want to like tell someone they're not allowed to have their feelings, you know? Except for Scott. You can't have any feelings. I hate you. <laughs> Unrelated. <laughs> and so Olivia's, she is just so upset by this whole conversation. She's like, I never wanted to be in this band anyway. And when goes, well, then why did you do it? And she goes, I did it for you, jerk. I did it for you. And I have to say, she screams this in the public, like, outdoor cafe they're at. And we literally see a man turn and look. <laughs> he fully turns. <laughs> um, but I was like, I honestly, I will say, I didn't know Olivia did it for him until this line. <laughs> I know, right? I was like... Okay, girl was reading poetry in the janitor's closet. Like, maybe she just wanted some friends. I guess she was really after Wynn. Who knew? That was never suggested earlier in the film. I think yeah. it's great. It just not... And I do think there are things she did later for the band and later that I would have yeah. said were for Wynn. Like, right, she came out and she did the show for Wynn for on sure. Halloween for Bash sure. Night. Yeah. But, like, I believe that. But, like, you're claiming you did everything for Wynn? That's not true, girl. <laughs> mm -mm. But mm -mm. also... It's a great line, so I support you, you know? You got gumption. You got to say the thing. Yeah. And, you know, so these other four are going through it. <laughs> and Stella is having, honestly, a perfectly normal day. <laughs> Stella's fine. But then she walks past the school and sees that the lemonade machine is finally being removed. Mm -hmm. She calls mm -hmm. the friends, tells them it's all, uh, it's an emergency. And they show up even though. <laughs> It's just, it's the funniest shot of truly four broken children. Olivia is now also losing her voice, by the way. I don't know when this happened. Yeah. Um, Mo is sick. Who let her out in the rain with a fever? I don't know. Charlie's there with his little fingies covered and <laughs> when has his black eye. And Stella, again, who's a, ultimately a pretty normal day for her, is like, sorry, what happened to you? <laughs> Yeah, our group is down bad. I literally put, they are all broken and falling apart. <laughs> and Stella sits down in front of the tr moving truck and is like, protesting, this is her stand. And like the movers are like, listen, you move or we move you. Yeah. And she's like, I am not moving until you put our lemonade machine back. And the movers are, again, two very large men. And I don't know that this is the right thing to do, but it is what they do. They sort of pick up this small teenager. They like uh, the two bo two men pick her up, and Lemonade Mouth is not having that. The kids jump the movers. It also proceeds to rain. <laughs> oh yeah, it's raining. Suddenly the police show up. <laughs> yep. 
these cops were here so fast. I was like, so fast, so fast, exactly. And they hauled these children, not haul, but like in the next scene, we see them in jail. It's so funny. Our lemonade mouth is behind bars. (laughs) (laughs) Things really escalated because it really went from like multiple detentions together to like, this is from some perspectives, this is the story of some kids who like have gone down the wrong path. (laughs) But anyway. And so we are in jail. We're blaming Stella for their problems and they're fighting. But while they're in the jail cell, something happens, Jahan. Well, so first they're all ready to quit, right? They like they're in there, they're fighting. And Stella's like, so we lose. They're like, we're going to lose Rising Star. Why would we do this? She's like, so we lose. So what? You know, Lemonade Mouth is bigger than the competition. We did it to be heard for our fans, for ourselves. And Olivia's little scratchy voice goes, for friendship, for our friendship. (laughs) (laughs) And then something beautiful does happen, Avery. It happens again. They can't help themselves. Charlie starts clinking a coin. Stella t- starts tapping the bars. Mo starts playing a hair tie. Wen plays his zipper. And they start singing Turn Up the Music. Olivia's not singing, but <laughs> she got no voice. And then they're like playing and they're like, are we in? And they hug and our boys are back. <laughs> they hug incredibly close and Mo's still sick, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> Listen, this is the year 2011. We're not thinking about contagious diseases the way we should be. You're right, also, you're right. Olivia's sick. <laughs> and then they, we see them all get picked up. They're not like really arrested. They are just being held there. I do think it's funny because I think if you pick up kids, you probably don't put them in a holding cell until their parents show up. You probably just sit them down on a bench. But then we wouldn't have gotten this gorgeous scene. So who am I to complain? So Graham, Graham picks up Olivia. Sydney shows up to pick up Wen, and she's like super apologetic. Where she's like, "Hey, your dad's still stuck at work. I he's on he's on his way. I'm sorry that it's not it's me and not him." He hugs her. <laughs> he gives her this big old hug. And I, I again, I I I wasn't I guess I was in a like extreme emotional state because I was like tearing up again. I was like, he gave her the big hug. She does. I don't know why I was invested in Sydney, but big feelings this movie. (laughs) It's these kids that are rubbing off on me. And I will say I am a very easy crier in movies. I would not say I'm an easy decom crier because decoms are very, very silly normally, but this one got me. (laughs) Mo's parents show up and the dad honestly doesn't, he's like, I don't want to talk about it. He walks away and it's like, Oh yeah, that he's upset, but Mo isn't having it. She's like, I need to say this. I'm never going to be this perfect Indian daughter you want me to be. I'm never going to be this normal American teenager. I don't know what I am exactly. Maybe a bit of both. And I do remember like now I'm like, oh, this is a story we've seen a few different ways and a few different shows and they're really exciting ways. But in 2011, I remember being like, oh, <laughs> they put this, they put this in this. They, they, went, they went for it, which is again, it's not a an excellent example of like representation by any means, but it was very exciting for a little 18 year old me to see. So she like tells her dad, like she's finding her way and she's gonna make mistakes, but she deserves for him to let her be her. And he agrees to let her try. Charlie gets picked up by his brother, Tommy, who's away at Stanford. And Avery, can you speak to, I think we have the same thoughts here. So I'd love to hear what you have to say about Tommy. (laughs) Tom rolls up. And Tom's like, you better be glad that, like, I picked up the phone instead of mom. But why is Tommy 100 years old? Okay, (laughs) we did have the same thought. I will say, 
Tommy is not in college. Tommy has a wife and kids. Like Tommy's Tommy's oh, Tommy's got a mortgage. Tommy's <laughs> I was okay, I was getting there and I'm glad we got there at the same time. Yeah, Tom Tommy's not in college. Tommy's old. Tom tells Charlie that he needs to stand up to mom and dad and tell him that like he doesn't want to play soccer. Turns out that Tom isn't as perfect as we think because his grades have been slipping. And so that's not a conversation he is, you know, excited to have about with his mom and dad. But it, I think it shows the more human side to Tom because in his brain, like in Charlie's brain, like Tom can do no wrong. Like he's the golden child. And it's nice to see that, like, even the golden children have flaws. I'm still waiting for my sister to have a flaw. So <laughs> listen, do not speak that ill on Bryce. <laughs> I have a perfect sister. It's fine. <laughs> And so Stella's mom comes and, you know, Stella thinks that her mom is going to be like very upset with her, but her mom is like, yo, she sees Stella as a, as a determined focused girl and that she's so proud of her. And Stella's crying. Oh, Stella's crying. No, no, you're, I, uh, no, I was just gonna say, you know, like she apologizes for being distracted and it just like. It really does feel like she is seeing Stella for the first time. And I don't understand like why she, why she wasn't seeing her before, but I am glad she's seeing her now. Yes. And Stella's excited and is like, you want to come see our revolution? And she's like, we were planning on it because dad and the little brothers are outside waiting with Stella's guitar. <laughs> and so it's finally time. We're here. We're finally here. You know? It's been an hour and 40 minutes and we're here. We're finally at Rising Star. Um, I know we both sighed because we're like, oh, this is we've it took so long to get here. Um, mm -hmm. Mudslide Crush performs. I want to make clear that the first line of their song is my girl is hotter than your girl. The song is called my Don't girl You. girl is hotter than your girl. Yeah. <laughs> The, the song title is Don't You Wish You Were Us. And again, I think it very much speaks to what Shahan was saying. Like, this is a clear villain song. And <laughs> Ray has a picture of himself on his shirt for the whole, like, oh, that's geez. his vibe. <laughs> I Oh, I literally have in quotes, very mean girl vibes. <laughs> like, they're just straight villains. And I, I, yeah. I don't think I've seen music or like, Tweet. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen like tween music portrayed so perfectly as like you're a villain. But after the end of their performance, I think it's Ray that's like top that. Uh, they feel very flashy to me. All flash, no substance. You know. Yeah. All Speaking style, of no substance. substance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Cloud nine. Am I right? Y'all are listening to multiple episodes. You're hearing these references, right? <laughs> Come with it. And I truly at this point was like, how are you, my sweeties, my children, how are you planning to play this show? And they, but they still get up on this stage like little idiots. When can't see the keyboard. Charlie's very, very, barely able to play the drums. Olivia is up there trying to be a lead singer with no voice. And the whole time Mo is just like, Hacking as she tries to play the bass. The kids aren't all right. <laughs> um, and so they honestly, Olivia like refuses to sing. She's just like, I can't do it. And they're like, Olivia, you can do it. You can do it. She gives up. And honestly, they all give up. And he does not win me over. I want to say that outright. He does not change my mind about him. But Scott sees them having trouble and he picks up his guitar. Ray's like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, they need help. 
And Ray's like, you do that, man, and you're out of the band for good. And Scott does it. He's like, then I guess I'll find a new band. Scott gets out there and is playing the guitar. Stella is still playing the guitar. And their number one fan, one of their fans, starts singing. This is really the scene where I was like, this is where you gotta cry, right? <laughs> if you're gonna cry a fourth time in one movie, it's this. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it is really beautiful because one by one, people throughout the crowd begin to sing the lyrics to their song. And the people you see singing include like Sydney and the dad. Like Sydney stands up and starts singing like really early on. And that was really nice because she's singing before the dad is. And of course she knows all the words. She's a sweet little... uh Meredith Blake aged stepmom type situation. <laughs> now the auditorium goes and is singing their song and it's such a beautiful moment because like even though they can't sing like they've created something bigger than just them like they've created this big community and I think it's just mm -hmm. really great. Um, you know I know I just said that I don't forgive Scott but in my notes apparently I disagree because I said Scott I was wrong about you we're in love. <laughs> okay. Scott, I would take you back after everything. To be clear, I don't think Mo should take him. <laughs> but he really did. He steps up in this moment. I don't think he steps up far enough, but apparently two hour ago, Jahan disagrees with me. And according to Olivia's narration, they didn't win Rising Star, but they won something bigger that night. My friend Carrie, longtime listener from A to Xenon. Shout out to Carrie. She, Carrie, we've shouted you out more than any other person on this pod. <laughs> she, like, that's her favorite thing, right? When you, like, when the characters don't win, but they have a bigger emotional victory, they, like, learn something about themselves. Is it, like, bring it on? Where, like, she... How does it feel? It feels like first, right? Mm -hmm. Or like, mm -hmm. even like, I think we talked about this a little bit in Cloud Nine and it's a very like common decomp thing where in Cloud Nine, right? He gets second or whatever. And he's like, well, I'm like, she's like not bad for someone who's been off for a year, right? So it's like, it's not always about winning the competition. It's about how you got there. Mm. That, I, I do love that. And I love when they do it in kids movies because I think it's really important for kids to see. <laughs> the In the next scene, we see Scott and Mo. Mm-hmm. And this is after the concert, like after the fact, but Scott apologizes. And so I think it's really nice that rather than calling her Mo, he calls her Mohini, her full name. And I think that is just so beautiful. Well, I, I also wrote literally, I like that he called her Mohini. And I think it's, first of all, this is like when they're back now, they're back on, but it's like, he says, if you could give me a chance, I'd really like to get to know this Mohini. And it's like, he's invested in her and who she is. And it's super interesting because she actually is the one who, like, it's never suggested that somebody else gave her the nickname Mo or anything. But like, it is really nice for him to be like, ready to like, see her differently. Recognizing, I, I recognizing her in her entirety. And I think that's yes. very Ooh. like, yeah. And I think that's so symbolic of her, of him using her entire name rather than just like yeah. this nickname or this, like this short perception mm -hmm. or a shortened perception of what she's given out in the past. Like this is the full her, this is the real her. Oh, Avery, that's beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I would read your essay. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. If we were back the in Miss Lambert. The thesis, the thesis hooked me in. You got me with the intro. You got me with the thesis statement. You you could, you could you brought me home. Anyway, if we were back I, in Miss Lambert's class, I would be writing a paper about this, don't you think? And, but like, yeah, fully agree. It was really lovely. And we see like Charlie pass by and he doesn't, he like doesn't look thrilled about this, but he like Scott's kind of nice to him. And 
But then Charlie like finally looks up and sees like the girl who has been like cheering his name loudest the whole movie. And so suddenly he's like thinking about like other possibilities. Yeah. And then like we see Wen go to Olivia and he's brought her a kitten. <laughs> he's a little prince. <laughs> I don't think you should give pets as gifts, but that's that's very sweet regardless. <laughs> In this scene, Wynn also apologizes and admits that he's been too hard on Sydney. Olivia says that perfect is well overrated and they hug mm-hmm. and they make up. And then at the next scene, we're all at Wynn's dad's wedding. I love how Sydney was like, yeah, I, I, Sydney was Sydney and her terrible wedding dress, by the way. I, oh, oh, I didn't go awful. back to look at it for very long, but it's it's real bad, which is bad. A bummer because Sydney's hot. <laughs> it's, like, it's, Sydney's real, hot. It, it's down bad. <laughs> And Sydney deserved more. They spent they uh, spent too much of the budget on the billboard rather than getting a Sydney a nice dress. And like, meanwhile, I guess their wedding budget was spent on allowing Wen to bring his whole band and all of their significant others, and so they couldn't spend it on the dress. I don't know. And so they're at the wedding, and Stella is talking to this old man. And at first, I was like, "Who is she talking to?" It's very funny because in other decoms he would have been in the seat designated for stella's potential end of movie romantic interest yeah it's very disconcerting because like she starts talking to this like middle-aged alt dude but like in his like 40s or something 40s plus and it's just like very weird because it's so clear because if they had put like a young alternative dude there it would have been like her being like oh is there a possibility for something which is I don't think she needed and I don't think it would have made sense or been necessary, but it, it it would have been a very normal thing for a decom to do. But this decom does something different. She's talking to the stranger. She's like, that's my band made up there. I was just like, okay, Stella. And he's like, oh, well, that's my my college buddy. Uh, and um, she's like, he, and he's like, you know, I used to be in a band. And she's like, oh yeah, well, what do you do now? He owns an organic lemonade company. She is sitting next to Mel of Mel's Lemonade. (laughs) What are the chances? Listen, Lemonade Mouth is about believing in the power of lemonade, believing in fate, believing in destiny. Because she just hears, he's like, you know, I have, it's organic lemonade. It's selling like gangbusters. And she's like, Mel? He doesn't offer up his name. She just guesses because she believes in the universe that would bring Lemonade Mouth together. Oh, sorry. I've gone full conspiracy theory about this. (laughs) Um, and she's so like Mel understands that the arts are important he was in a band so he sponsors the auditorium for the school so suddenly they have somewhere other than the basement to make music they get the funding the principal tries to take credit for it what an a-hole but at the end what I think is also really beautiful so this whole time like Olivia's been narrating but we find out not only has she been narrating but like this is all in a letter to her dad that she's sending to him. I think that's really nice. I also think it's shock I don't think we talked about this at the time it felt shocking for a decom to say her dad was in prison and to make it about her maintaining a relationship with him and how important that was to her i love how she ends the letter guess what we're playing next week (laughs) (laughs) and then we're back and it's where they're playing next week is madison square garden and or the small madison square garden for ants that i (laughs) i just it's so small. It's Avery, did you feel that seeing it? Like it really is like so clearly like a small set. 
I think I was more focused about how every member of the band wore clothing that made them look like they were all part of a different band. Like there was no cohesion. Like Stella is in like a sparkly suit. I would say that Mohini looks like something that like could have come out of How to Build a Better Boy. It was just, and then like, (laughs) and then... Olivia's like in a sparkly, almost like a T-Swift like dress, like early T-Swift, like fearless T-Swift outfit. It was just like, mm-hmm. I was like, nobody looks the same. Nobody looks the same. Did we say Charlie looks like he's about to go sing in Panic at the Disco? <laughs> no. Your boy's in a top hat. <laughs> yeah, like it, so much stuff. Yeah, so yeah, shiny suit. Oh God, she does look very T-Swift. Oh, and they have a new, a new guitarist. Did we say that? No. They have their new guitarist, our boy Scott, who I have forgiven some. Not fully, but some. And he has a massive faux hawk. Just like all of his hair is pointing directly up. It's a lot going on. Wen has this little scarf. (laughs) I I don't... Everybody has different vibes here. (laughs) Everybody has different vibes. And the song that they're singing is Breakthrough. Also, Hailey Kiyoko... performed in um, Madison Square Garden like four years ago now. And at the time she was like, I think she was tweeting about how it was her first time performing in Madison Square Garden or whatever. And apparently all these fans were like, no, it's not. No, it's not. She's like, let me clear this up. (laughs) That was an arena in New Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) It's so silly. Sorry if you can hear my cat scratching. Um, They like have their goofy outfits and... We end with them performing a new song, Breakthrough, mm-hmm. in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Here comes a breakthrough. Here comes a day. Also, want to just say, I love that she was, like I said, I love that she was writing the letter to her dad. That's going to be a long ass letter. He's going to be reading that for ages. It took us two hours to hear it all. <laughs> Listen, how did we explain the movie longer than the movie itself? There was a lot going on. Some, as you said, big feelings, for big sure. talks. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Adam and I were talking about this movie before you hopped on, Jahan. And mm-hmm. while I while I do love somebody, where I do love Mo's song, Mohini's song. She's so gone. She's yeah. so gone. I don't know if this is my favorite BCOM. I don't think it's terrible, but I don't think it's great. I feel like it's very, like, this... in the middle. Okay, yeah. You know, I, I have a hard time feeling... I was going to... I literally was thinking earlier, like, I have a hard time, like, feeling bad about decoms like I'm never gonna like hate a decom but I remember enjoying it when we watched it and to be fair when we watched it we weren't all we weren't on top of every decom we would watch them sometimes we watched like like we watched them every now and then in high school so I think it was fun for us because we watched it with our high school friends like right before we went off to college and we were all having fun together but I didn't remember anything about the movie except again she's so gone and like so it wasn't like it stood out to me it stood out to me because I had a nice memory with my friends Mm -hmm. but it wasn't anything Special. I think it has some really nice moments. I think it has some really nice elements. But yeah, it didn't like hit like where I was like, this is the best decom of all time. It was, which is so funny because again, 90% of decoms I'm going to react. <laughs> this is the best decom of all time. Like I turned around on cloud nine, you know, like, yeah. Uh, but like this, I agree. This one, I was like, it has too much going on. It's just too overstuffed. And they, they like, again, really fun. And I think the kids do a really great job, but it's, 
so much story for one movie. They like insist upon taking us through every one of these kids like struggles and like, yeah. yeah. So I agree. I, it was weird. I think after Phantom of the Megaplex, I was like, when the movie ended, I was like, I don't know how I felt about that. But then we discussed it and I was like, I loved so much about it actually. But this one, like I did feel that way. And I, again, I cried many times, but I, I just cried because sometimes I, you know, sometimes you got to cry. <laughs> but I, at the end, like at the end, I was still like, I think it did a few cool things. I think it had some great songs, but yeah, they really did the most for a, for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I will say, you know what it feels like? And I know exactly why it feels the way it does, actually. It's because it's an adaptation of a book. Mm. You can have all of that in a book. But the screenwriter who also wrote Monte Carlo, <laughs> hey. starring our girl Selena, <laughs> but the screenwriter, like, in adapting it, must, like, there's there's so much you can fit into a YA novel, right? Mm -hmm. But this doesn't, this feels like they tried to put it all in. And it's so funny because I just scrolled up to confirm that it was based off a book because that's how it felt to me. The narration from Olivia, the there's certain things that you wouldn't get in a decom. Otherwise, that like the dad from the like another reason I felt that way was like the dad going to prison. I was like, that wasn't a decom original. That must have come from some other content. Mm. <laughs> so mm. I believe this is a good. It's a fun decom with some good songs, and I believe it was a fun read of a book. But it's the way they adapted it without like strip stripping anything out with like keeping five characters that you have to follow as well as like a sixth guy who joins the band eventually and like never like really like streamlining in any way it does like it just it's so overstuffed that I don't mm -hmm. think it allows the movie like I think there could have been great mo I, I think it could have been great but it like it's overstuffed that said I do love this cast and I want to talk about the cast because some people we talk about like Cloud9 we, we talk about them both as like decom celebrities, right? They're like in a lot of decoms or we talk about people as like Disney channel celebs or like they go what they go on to do. I would say this cast, when we talk about a stacked cast, we're talking about a stacked cast, like a Disney channel stacked cast. They're all Disney people. This is a stacked cast in terms of people who went on to do cooler shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No disrespect. You know, we think decoms are as cool as it can be, but this is probably the most embarrassing thing on Haley Kiyoko's resume. <laughs> like ultimately like she is now like a pop star right like a low-key like her fans call her the lesbian jesus which is wholesome, what? you know okay <laughs> that is a thing I did, not, I did not know this oh listen twitter is weird the kids are weird i didn't realize she was 30 31 oh yeah she she both she and scott are like the oldest cast members mm -hmm. i think but before we get into cast do we want to ask what adam thought of this movie I would love to ask what Adam thought. So sorry. So I should say when I started to do this whole Adam's Corner thing, I wanted to, you know, bring something original to the episode, something you two hadn't noticed. I was kind of talking with Avery about this, but um, these Google reviews are just like way too good to pass up. These segments just like write themselves. So with that being said, I wanted, I have three reviews <laughs> in order of uh, least funniest to funniest in my opinion. So I'll just jump right into it here if you don't mind. I'm excited. This is from Madeline W. She says, this film changed my life. It took me on a cinematic journey and changed the way I view the world. This film came out nine years ago, but I still appreciate the wondrous job the directors, producers, cast, etc. put into this masterpiece of a movie. I will have this movie played at my wedding, funeral, 
and baby shower. <laughs> All three? All three. <laughs> and the baby shower comes after the funeral, apparently. <laughs> to anyone considering spending 103 minutes of their life gazing their eyes on the sublime, charismatic, fantastic, joyous, wild ride of a film, in all caps, do it. You will not regret it. It will take you on a journey that will explore emotions you never knew you had. I didn't find that that was true for me. That was the least funniest? That was the least funniest. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait for more. <laughs> These kids on Google. Yeah, I mean, I will say I did not experience emotions I didn't know I had, but I will say it was charismatic and good job by the producers and cast and director. Uh, this next one is from Ash D. They say uh, Lemonade Mouth is nothing short of a masterpiece. So kind of a running theme here. Growing up, I had never felt that I belonged anywhere in parentheses. I was a hashtag loner. But this movie changed my life. The main character in parentheses again, the blonde one, I can't remember her name, was so <laughs> quirky and shy that I felt an undeniable attachment to her. And the redhead luther oh was such a badass and unapologetic that i saw all my past crushes in his eyes the latina girl was beautiful and bold and the other dude with the long hair had problems and like i said was a hashtag loner i want to be as successful as lemonade mouth was i want to perform at madison square garden after one performance at school event with no professional training <laughs> album so or pr and be treated as royalty at my high school I also want Mel's to send me a personalized vending machine of their lemonade for this whimsical review. Peace and love, less than three. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's a lot going on in there. Also, I love that she signed it peace and love because sometimes I do sign my emails peace and love. <laughs> Avery, I love that. I do. That's a wild review because one, you... I think they liked the movie. I, I am glad they roasted the Madison Square Garden because it was a five star. I should say that was a five star. All these are five star yeah, reviews. Yeah. Like we didn't talk about this, but it is wild that they end up playing Madison Square Garden. There's simply no way this high school band from where was it, New Mexico, is gonna is gonna end up in um, Madison Square Garden. But we really chose to let that slide, and I'm glad this reviewer didn't. <laughs> I also there's no Latinx character. <laughs> I don't know how they got the name Luther out of the name when. When, when, yeah. Ooh, really taking some big swings. They didn't remember anyone's names. The one name they did remember, they got wrong. So, but they did give it five stars. So. Okay. Well, it meant something oh. to them. All right. Uh, this next one is from Adriana M. She says, this movie is tied for first place for my favorite movie with Holes, Aladdin, and Ratatouille, spelled like Ratatouille. But I think Lemonade Moth is winning. I've literally watched this movie at least six times. They say it is a musical, but How only half. How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> they say it is a musical, but only half because they don't just start singing and dancing randomly in their high school because they are a band and actually rehearse. Just kind of like a run on sentence. This movie is my childhood and still is because I'm a child still. Anyway, this movie is about five teens, Olivia, Wen, Mo, Charlie, Stella, meet in detention and then realize they make a good band, but there is one problem. Their principal don't care about anyone that is not on a sport team. The band plays at the Halloween party and sing the song, Be Heard, Be Proud, Be Strong song and determinate. They mean determination by that in parentheses. So they start getting fans in their high school. And this next section is in all caps. 
I'll let you watch it now because I don't want to spoil the movie for you. This movie has some real powerful messages that you can easily figure out. And it is really inspirational. This movie makes me who I am. Oh, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that last part. There you go. I will say we didn't really talk about what this movie was about. And I will say it does have powerful messages. It does have stuff I'm excited for kids to get to see, you know. Drink lemonade. Yeah, drink lots of lemonade. Get a corporate sponsorship. <laughs> but, but also like, you know, like a lot of like finding your people, like finding, they were all figuring out who they were. They all did change, grow and change a lot, especially Mo. I love Mo's arc the most. I think probably, you know, fine. Oh, gorgeous. I'm sorry if you can hear my cat simply <laughs> screaming. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, so I, I did like it. It's a, and it's cool for kids to see like how arts should matter, how what you have to say matters, all of that in a very chaotic film package. <laughs> Apparently it has like a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes though, which, you know, good for, good for you. I guess I don't know how DCOM standardly rank there though. You gotta check out the Google reviews. All the kids are telling you what they think. That's true. All right. You know, this was supposed to have a sequel. Yes. <laughs> I saw that. There was meant to be a Lemonade Mouth 2. What could have been? Well, you know, I think they really covered it all. Maybe if they had kept it a little briefer, they could have saved something for number two, but they they put it, they left it all on the dance floor, like they say. All right, so let's talk cast. Other members of our cast are like famous, famous, and we'll talk about them, but Bridget Mendler is, I'd say, Disney Channel famous. Um, for sure. She is... Like, she's the star of her own sitcom, Good Luck Charlie, but she even more, I remember so clearly, I love how you, like, see a, DK, a Disney Channel star in other Disney shows before they show up in their, before they get, Disney decides to give them their own show. And I remember so clearly when she played, like, Juliet the Vampire in Wizards of Waverly Place. Yes! She was, like, Justin's love interest for such a long time in Wizards. And it was star-crossed lovers because he was a wizard and she was a vampire. And it was, ah! But because she did a good job on Wizards of Waverly Place, you know, you, you girls over at Disney can't resist a charismatic star like that. So they gave her her own show, Good Luck Charlie, where... I, I loved good. I wasn't like a huge Good Luck Charlie fan, but I think it did. A, I think it was a sweet decom family sitcom. I liked the conceit of her like giving her little newborn sister. She was a teenager who had like a newborn sister, and she'd give her advice on a little vlog. She has a little bit of a solo singing career, not a huge one. I do remember really liking. I think Ready or Not. <laughs> Listen, sometimes she'd show. It's vaguely familiar. Yeah, it, it was. It's fine. But I enjoyed it. I know this, it's on Wikipedia, so I'm going to say it like I'm reading it off Wikipedia. But a like college friend, a friend in our friend group is at MIT and is a researcher with the MIT Media Lab. And so is Bridget Mendler. She's what? also at MIT with her. They're in this like digital MIT PhD. I don't know. It's very cool. I don't understand a word of it. So, wow. And Bridget is her classmate. I remember when, when she got there and we were told that we were like, I was truly really, like, I think some of my friends were excited, but I think I was the one who was like, Star of Lemonade. <laughs> I don't know this. Like, I, there's nothing I can do with this information except for say it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Connections. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think she's a solid, you know, decom actress. She auditioned for Sunny in Sunny with a Chance, but Demi Lovato is chosen. Wow. That's wild to me. Because I, I honestly thought Sonny with a Chance was created around Demi Lovato because they were a bigger decom star. But I guess 
they were already a decom star when they got Sunny with a chance. Well, remember if you recall, they were in as the bell rings. And yeah, that, like, of course I, I <laughs> yeah, I've and, never forgotten the interstitial series as the bell rings. And then I think came first Camp Rock, then came mm-hmm. Sunny, then came Camp Rock too. Okay, yeah, but see, to me, if you've already started in Camp Rock, you shouldn't. Have, to me, Disney wouldn't make you audition for Sunny, but it must have been having happening concurrently or something. Because I'm like, Bridget's a nobody compared to Camp Rock star Demi Lovato. No disrespect, Bridget. At that point, though, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah. Also, Bridget Mendler got married in 2019 and like had her whole like good luck Charlie family at the wedding, and I thought it was so cute. And she just married a normal dude named Griffin. Honestly, her she found her little Wendell. <laughs> oh! But yes, she did Wizard. She did Good Luck Charlie. You know, Determinate peaked at number 89 on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, okay. So I saw that because it said... Oh, it peaked at 51. I'm so sorry. Well, no. <laughs> Somebody was... peaked at 89. <laughs> it says that I think it was... They said it was number four on the U.S. Billboard 100 and number three on the U.S. Top Digital Albums at some point. So, like, this was... No. At least that's what Wiki said. Like, this was pretty Listen, huge. I kind of get that, though, because the best parts of the movie are the song songs. And I think... Some of the songs. <laughs> and I think part of that... The reason it feels so overstuffed is because they have the full songs in the movie. Because yeah. it's like plot linking these full music video numbers which is a way to do a musical i guess <laughs> yeah yeah you can't forget she co-wrote and sang the disney's friend for change games anthem we can change the world okay so she's like doing a lot of acting for someone is who is also at mit i'd say actually bridget's still around um and i think if she wanted to do a lot more acting she could but it seems like she's very happy with her husband and her current studies but yeah she's working on her phd we love it I do want to go ahead and talk about Mo Mohini, a.k.a. Naomi Scott. (laughs) Would love to talk about Naomi Scott. I would probably say of all of our band members, like biggest breakout star, Mm -hmm. like of the five of them. Most just like most recently alone, like she was in the new Aladdin movie as Jasmine. Mm -hmm. She was in New Charlie's Angels, which since the last time we talked about Charlie's Angels and How to Build a Better Boy. I finally saw it. Yeah, what'd you think? I thought it was cute. I thought it was good. I thought it was cute. Right, it's not going to change my life the way Lucy Liu did, but like... (laughs) I honestly think my favorite part was the ending when they had like all the guest celebrities come and like talk and like do her training. Like, (laughs) that was the part I enjoyed the most. Yeah, it was was fun. It wasn't like super memorable, I thought. But yeah, like, um, it it is cool because like she is... Yeah, she's breaking out. She's like getting all the big. She was. In, did we say she was in Power Rangers? Oh no, I didn't even. No, I didn't see that. So she's getting like set up for all of these like franchises. Some of them are happening. Some of them aren't. She's like being given some big roles. She was Pink Ranger, and she, I do think she's a really good actress. So, and I thought she like kind of like stole the show a little bit in Lemonade Mouth. So it's nice that she's doing that on other projects too. Also, she's British. She's British. I did not get a fine American accent. Yeah, I did not know that. But yes, I would say probably out of the band members, I would say she's probably the biggest. And a couple of years ago, that wouldn't have been true, but she's been blowing up so fast. Mm-hmm. I'd say the past couple of years because she's like been acting the whole time, but she like the past couple of years really has got a lot of really big projects. Mm-hmm. And then we started talking about Haley Kiyoko, but let's go back to it. Okay. Because Haley Kiyoko is like blowing up as a lesbian pop star, essentially. <laughs> 
Um, not at the moment, but she like had a really big like moment a couple of years ago. She had a few big songs. I recommend them. I like her music. She's she's got some some fun music. She's the biggest in terms of music, I'd say. I didn't even know about her like sprawling music career. So I knew that she was in like a couple of episodes of The Fosters, which again, like Noah Centineo being in The Fosters. So like the whole kind of connection of like, we're constantly seeing people like in the same project. So I knew that she was in that. And I do remember her being in like Jim and the Holograms a couple of years back, but I didn't know about like, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how big she was in music. She was also briefly like, Velma in the live action Scooby-Doo's. Yes! Yes! But I will say, I think she's a better musician than she is actor. Like, she really did the most as Stella. She's she's doing great. Good for her. I think she'll be around for a while as a musician. Yeah. Okay. Then we've got our boy Adam Hicks, who plays when he seems to be around Disney Channel way more than I thought he was. Yeah, so he got his, like career on how to eat fried worms and then he was also in the show Zeke and Lethal on Disney Channel which I did not see I think it was like a little like post our time but Adam and I were talking about how his life kind of takes a very sudden turn (gasps) so our boy was arrested um in 2018 for armed robbery in California and I believe he has been like sentenced to five years in jail. Oh my God. I'll be honest, this is brand new information for me. Yeah. I loved, I loved. And he co wrote Determinate and Breakthrough. And that's the thing too that Adam and I were talking about. We were like, oh, he was like so charismatic in this role and like seemed to be on like the Disney like trajectory or like on the Disney path. I don't know. Like I'm very sad that his life kind of went awry and like fell apart. But. Yeah. I guess I wish him the best in whatever's next. Uh, And then we have the baby of the cast, Blake Michael, who plays Charlie. This boy has eyebrows for days. I feel like that's what I distinctly remember. Like, it was a thing when we watched it in high school where we were all like, he has so much eyebrow. I don't think I realized how young he was until I realized, like, he went from Lemonade Mouth when he was, like, 14, 15 to like being the brother, the like big brother on Dog with a Blog. And he was still pretty young on Dog with a Blog. Yeah. But he, so he like was one of the leads in that, in one of the decom family shows, uh, Dog with a Blog, which is a show I think is, I think it's a very funny premise for a sh- or very funny title for a show, but it is what it sounds like. It's about a dog with a blog. <laughs> he hasn't done it as much recently, but that's all right. Most boyfriend Scott is Nick Rowe. And we talked about how much older he was than, like, the rest of the cast. He does make some Disney, like, guest appearances, like, on Wizards and stuff. But he was also in Jane by Design. Ooh, which was created by the writer of Lemonade Mouth. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. She came back for her boy. I love that. I also want to point out the teacher, the music teacher, Miss Miss Resnick, sorry. Um, It's Tisha Campbell. Like, yeah, the Tisha Campbell. Small, like, it's so funny because, like, obviously, every time I've watched it, I've known it's Tisha Campbell. But, like, this time I started watching it and I was like, maybe I'm wrong and it's someone who's identical to Tisha Campbell because it doesn't feel like something she'd do normally. I think she's great in it. I think she's amazing. But I was like, did I just convince myself it was Tisha Campbell and it's not? But no, it is. (laughs) No, it is. And I mean, like, this woman is iconic. Like, 
I do think in terms of star power, it's like she probably is like the biggest person at the time. And then like Naomi Scott is like soon to come with like her building career. But like this woman is in iconic shows like Martin, the Jamie Foxx show, like My Wife and Kids, like yes a sprawling like decades career and i just wanted to give her her flowers the house party movies and also like you know i love that decom somehow pull like a celebrity like a real big celebrity for one role but also disney channel you're lucky she did this i know right i was so shocked i was like listen (laughs) maybe she was like my kid likes disney channel i guess i'll like (laughs) do a cute little project but yeah she's Mm -hmm. she's too big for this movie (laughs) she's huge and then you talked about the principles Jahan earlier I'd love to talk about the principles some more because I feel like I have known this principle my whole life Christopher McDonald has been playing this exact role for our entire lives right like he was Scooter and Happy Gilmore he was I think the dean of students in Flubber like I just the first time I saw him was for sure Flubber Mm. so he's just like he's really good at this smarmy guy and I'm sure he could play different but he just it's just like when you when you kill it in this role and you make good money why not he's also actually but he's obviously still acting like he's a busy busy man like Hollywood loves to cast him in these roles Last year, he actually, it was really nice. He did Hacks, which was an HBO Max show. He's in that and it's like a big role for him. And he's, he has plenty of big roles, but it was just like, it was nice to see him because I do see him often. <laughs> As we said, stacked cast in terms of people who have had success outside of Disney. Mm-hmm. So Avery, this episode's long, much like the film. And I do apologize to our fans for that. But listen, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of characters. We had a lot of ground to cover. If you're going to do anything for this movie, for this episode, I'd say go listen to a couple of the songs. Have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. This is so funny because it's like our first episode where we're like, we feel middle about this movie. (laughs) What do we do now? Well, before we go, I have a couple of things to ask of our fans. (gasps) Okay. You know, we're still waiting each and every day for you to email us about your crushes. But if you're not feeling up to taking that chance to putting yourself out there, we would also love for you to rate and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, go give us some stars. And if you're still not up for that, which is fine, follow us online. Uh, Adam is at the podcast Adam on all platforms. We're at From A to Xenon on Twitter. I'm at Jahan413 and Avery. I'm at Camille says 36. Listen, it's a long list of things we're asking of you. Do what you can. <laughs> what a long film. What a long film. And with that, we close you out on a, a good song. <laughs> See you next month. <laughs> See you next month. It's <laughs> winning, I'm having a sin. You look like a better run, renegade, lemonade, use it in my medicine.